Greetings, everybody. It's Podcast Unlocked, the IGN OXM podcast. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, your host, joined by the one and only Mitch Dyer wearing a salmon-colored shirt. Pink for life. As only he can. Yeah. Ginger and salmon uh-huh. it's good merging mix. together. It's my favorite color mixture. <laughs> and with, with the, like, you know, Superman red shirt underneath, See, too. I'm never sure about the red. I always uh-huh. grab the red because I think the white doesn't look as good, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not very fashion conscious. Well, you and me both. You're, I mean, you have more... Uh, more cojones to wear to wear that and pull it off. The fact that I'm than I ever could wearing a collared shirt at all is kind of a miracle in and of itself that would impress my mother. <laughs> but the, that that it's pink. There you go. Me very there you much. go, Mitch's mom. So many reasons. Yet another reason to be proud of your son. <laughs> uh, joined by tech editor here at IGN, Nick Vargas, fellow newbie. Yes, very new. How goes it, my friend? It goes pretty well. Lots to. T- Lots to talk about in tech, I guess. Well, and if you're wondering, why is a tech dude here? Well, Nick's actually a big gamer as well. He, if you... Did you... Were you ever on my OXM podcast? I don't know. Did that ever happen? Because Nick, the history of, of Nick Vargas is that he was once our intern when I worked at Official yep. Xbox Magazine long, many moons ago. Then your career path took you. You were hired professionally by... Uh, our old company. Yep. You worked at Mac Life. I did. Um, doing Mac things, and you did games. I did. You did all the yeah. Mac games and App Store st- uh, App Store games, right? iOS. Right. Gave me a bunch of freelance work. It was nice. Ah. Mm-hmm. And now you've, uh, after a couple other twists and turns, you've found your way here to IGN. Yeah, and it's really like the perfect fit because I get to cover tech from sort of a video game perspective. Right. So and I- we get to assign you game coverage things <laughs> yeah, to help us exactly. with. Exactly. For instance. We have a you, we have an upcoming. We, I've just assigned you a review that uh, you're going to be. You seem super excited. Yeah, about. Yeah, I'm really stoked about it. I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about it? or I something? mean, it's a game that's real. You're going to be you're you're going to be handling the uh, Tony Hawk HD for us. Yeah, Tony exactly. Hawk's Pro Skater HD, uh, which, which I'm stoked about. I am yeah. so stoked. The game for is that, cool. So, well, Does the it, world is. That's, that's why the it's first one, right? That kicks off Summer of Arcade. First, correct. Yeah. For week week one of Summer of Arcade. So, uh, well, before we get rolling this week, so I should mention first that we've got an epic interview on tap for you. It's about an hour long. It's I think. huge. Yeah, it, I I couldn't help myself. We just went on and on with a couple of the guys from Telltale talking about the recently, and by recently I mean yesterday, just released <laughs> Walking Dead episode two, Starve for Help. Uh, they swung on down from their office about uh, 40 minutes north of here. And we pretty much covered it all, I think, Mitch, uh, without with no spoilers, no spoilers, I might add. No spoilers. That was yet. a miracle. Yeah, uh, so credit to the guys for, for not accidentally ruining anything, and credit to me and Mitch for somehow keeping it under wraps. Go team! Yeah. So, yeah, we cover sort of their approach to designing an episodic series, their... You know what they've done with the fan feedback, all kinds of things. I hope you enjoy the interview coming up later on in the podcast. And uh, before we roll on, it's worth noting last week, Mitch, as almost an aside, this was sort of a, not a throwaway thing because I don't want to discount it, but we didn't even really make a big deal of it. We just kind of said, 
oh, you can get the podcast on iTunes, which is where most of you get it, or, uh, hey, Zune Marketplace, are we even on there? Hey, lol, who, and who we uses heard... Zunes anymore? Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently every apparently one of our Apparently more than the four people I expected. <laughs> we heard from everyone who's listening to Podcast Unlocked on a Zune, so... We hear you. We got it. We got the message. Thanks. <laughs> we are on Zoom Marketplace, and that's good. Go I'm back glad to emailing us there. about video games, please. Yeah. So we can read them on the air. Yes. I'm glad we're uh, I'm glad we're on the Zoom Marketplace. It's a good place to be, especially if you are a super Microsoft loyalist, which at least the surface gives us more reason to want to be. I touched right. it. Super I Microsoft. played with it. I heard Where was about I? This. Where was I? I have no idea. I went looking were... for it and I was like, he's not here, he's not gonna this But it is was the fine. Worst. I mean you wouldn't have got to tinker with it. It was just like, hey, here's a video game running on it. Yeah. Oh. Well. Mitch Dyer. I touched it. I touched it. <laughs> on Microsoft Surface. Put that on the box. Yeah. Mitch Dyer's Mitch Dyer of IGN says, I touched it. But anyway, um yes, lots to get to. Mostly the Talk the talking Talking Dead, Walking Dead interview. <laughs> We're talking to Telltale about the uh-huh. Walking Dead. By that video game. I can't I love it. So good. I, I can't wait till a little time has gone by and we can really talk spoilers on it. I, yeah. I want to refrain from that this week because it's just come out and I don't want to ruin it for anybody. And I don't want anybody to just shut off the podcast like, well, screw those guys if they're gonna talk about spoilers. But boy, I I think I liked it more than the first episode. Yeah, it was just, I was just going to say, it took me a long time to let it settle and yeah. just kind of distill what was great about it and what was not great about it. And it's like, well, it was mostly 100% great. Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted about it. I finished it late last night, right before bed. I finished it like, I don't know, 12.30, 1 in the morning. Tweeted about it immediately because I was completely in love with it. And then I woke up this morning after having slept on it and had to tweet again. And it's like, <laughs> it's still awesome. It's it, I think it's even better than than it was when I finished it last night. And, oh, man. Best... I love adventure games to begin with, but this one is just... It's the exact right formula hmm. of of awesomeness. And it's not even a comedy. Like, usually... <laughs> usually, sure. I favor the comedic adventure games. Sure. But this one, uh, there's not a lot to laugh about. Nope. <laughs> you kind of... You smile whenever, like, oh, the, oh good, they didn't die. Yeah. That's about it. That's pretty much it. So, so stay tuned for... A big interview with Telltale Games, but we'll start it off with the news unlocked. Not much happening, really, in the last week. It's been a slow week. Post E3, everything is kind of just placid. Yeah. So, um, Mitch, what's the big thing here, Mass Effect? I know you're you're, yeah. you're almost... Uh, can this possibly... See, I've, I've been saying this since they kowtowed to the fans uh-huh. that... This this isn't going to end well, no matter what. They they could make every ending. They could keep make keep making endings until the end of right. time. Nobody's going to be happy, right? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing: is Mass Effect 3's extended cut DLC came out, free update, lets you replay the last yeah three hours of the game. Yeah. Uh, and it's an extended, different, slightly slightly modified ending of Mass Effect 3 for those who were unhappy with how unclear everything was, how open ended the ending was. <clears throat> for the most part, it seems like the community is kind of really responding well to it. They really like. The small new touches, the connections to the past games. I can't tell you how much I don't care. But do you think are they react not to not to get too negative? But do you think sure. that they're do both of you guys think that they're just reacting positively because it's like Yay, oh we Bio, got it Bioware paid attention to yeah, me maybe I don't feel like that's a very likely reaction to that. I think that the kind of people that that would hate on something you know as uh, give or take like whether you like the end of that game. It seems like the people that really hated it couldn't be satisfied no matter what they did. So the fact that they just added small touches almost seems like miraculous that that was enough <laughs> for them. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen them yet. I'm going to check it out today, but it sounds like it's a lot of very, very minor things that just kind of fill in the gaps rather than flesh anything out, which, you know, that's fine, whatever. But I, I finished that game. I beat it. I like that ending. I'm completely happy with the experience I had. Yeah, it, it you know, I finished it because I reviewed it um, previously. I, fi- I was able to finish it before the rest of the world got got to it and got yeah. and then mm-hmm. and then the internet exploded uh-huh. and it i just it didn't it didn't move the needle for me okay. anywhere near what it did for obviously the rest right. of the world i kind of played it and went all right well i didn't really care for the fact that my my choices over the all three games kind of came down to this very binary yeah thing at the end it was but, cheesy but i mean the the vast majority of mass effect 3 like from start to finish was basically an ending you got yeah. all of the individual closure with each character and they, they they went out of their way to make sure that not only you spoke to them at the end but you had moments with them like garris's yeah. thing on the farewell Citadel. tour yeah exactly that was the the whole game was exactly what people were complaining about not being at the end for me i i really struggled with the end of that game i didn't hate it in any capacity like everyone else seemed to, but I really just felt like there was probably like 15 things that just didn't make any sense. That's true. And I needed, <laughs> I just felt like that got sloppy almost. And so this sounds like the answer to my prayers and I will be playing the whole thing. I don't want to even see it or anything. Really? You're going to go through the whole yeah, process? I am. I'm going to go back That's to dedication. The, well, actually... Probably not, actually. I just thought of it. <laughs> Wait, that's some Wait. work. The galactic readiness has got to be back down to like zero now. Oh, let's hope not. Seriously, because you had to... Wow, I just thought of that. Yeah, dude. It's it's a whole ordeal to well, get that Well, I cannot game. wait to watch it. <laughs> On IGN.com. fastest turnaround of all time. <laughs> all that hard work by Bioware, and you're not even going to... I would love to play it, but if, I'm I, if I'm at 50%, I don't mind playing the three hours or whatever again. I thought the end was pretty fun. What does uh, what does Nick's lunch burrito think of this? Can we get a mic on the burrito? Yeah. <laughs> What's he saying? It's just eat. That ending sucks balls. Not my favorite. <laughs> Half-eaten burrito. It looks so well, sad. The mascot. Got, he's got it sort of standing up on, on a plate. And it just, it does look like it's a panelist on this week's podcast, doesn't it? Like, can you put the headphones Sweet. over the burrito? Yeah. So gross. People would love that, right? It's all coagulated. Nick's burrito and... is the newest member to the Podcast Unlocked <laughs> broadcast team. That thing is not going anywhere either. No. And, I mean, think of that, picture that in your stomach. I'm I mean, it's like a big, to. dense piece of meat and oil and bread. Oil. And, oh, God. Yeah. Now I'm sad thinking about burritos. You've got one inside of you it's, already, don't you? Uh, <laughs> it's lunch. I don't want to talk about it. I'm so full. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Why couldn't there have been a burrito race of aliens in this one? Oh, man. That would be the best aliens. <laughs> We're tasty and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that so much. We come from the guacamole system. That would. That sounds like a system. Come on. It does. I, look, even the the bag is soaked in oil. Check it's, that out. Uh, that's disgusting. That's the chips in the bag. I yeah. can literally see the chips through the bag. You know what, guys? <laughs> We're back to food unlocked again. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. But I like that it says, please recycle this bag. I think the bag is recycling itself so right can, now. It's so we can degrading. use this oil again. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. That was... I really wish this were a video podcast right now so everyone could see the half-eaten, uh, <laughs> vertically upright burrito that's sitting. It's actually sitting in front of a chair, too. That's the hilarious part. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just <laughs> sitting away from me. I need yep. it to be a separate entity. I miss you, Nick. Put me inside of your body. <laughs> oh, man, that burrito. <laughs> I want to course my way through your innards. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Now, now it's gone. Cool. Okay. Mitch just put a stop to this. Anyway. Um, who's a basketball fan? You're Canadian, which, by the way, makes you by default a basketball fan because for, we invented it. Because that's right. Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of the game of basketball, was Canadian. He for just, anybody that he didn't threw know. a ball in a bucket. Dr. J. Basket. Good job, guy. It was literally a basket with, yeah. a, with a hole cut out of yeah. the bottom. He, he didn't even do that at first because they were playing basketball. So this is how it goes. And I know this because we have commercials in Canada. Because it's taught in school. It's a right. national holiday. Right, exactly. It's in yeah. every textbook. So there would be, because Canada is really insecure about things, it would have commercials like brought to you by the Board of Adver- Advertising Board of Canada. Okay. And all it was was stuff like information about Canada that you didn't know. So it was like, hmm. it, it talked about like Alexander Graham Bell on the telephone. It talked about this basketball thing. And what it was, it was just this old man with this kid or whatever, like playing some hoops. And they threw up the ball in the bucket. And they got stuck in the bucket, and they got a ladder Take and climbed out. out and got it out. And he was like, man, forget this, and just, like, started out. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you're a thinker. You know, they could probably replace every one of those historical data commercials with kids in the hall sketches and have the same effect. <laughs> probably, like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Scott as the queen, like, oh, hello, loyal subject, did you know? 20 Helens agree. Yeah. That basketball. <laughs> Give me a tea, bastard. Anyway, Before I beat the crap out of you. Anyway, basketball. Yeah. Uh, so basketball, sport. NBA 2K13. <laughs> That's the one. I forgot we were even talking about. <laughs> there was a point to this. It's not the only basketball game this year. EA is resurrecting NBA Live. I wish them luck because they pretty much... Them, them screwing up and bowing out with the NBA Elite 11 two years ago pretty much created the perfect storm yep. for NBA 2K where... They not only delivered the the best game they'd ever delivered, which on its own might have been enough right. to... And it was already the best-selling game anyway. NBA Live was not the top seller. It's always been the better series, though, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, overall, it certainly always has. So, you know, the, we had... They made the best game they've ever made. Oh, they, they got Michael Jordan for the cover yeah. and Michael Jordan in the game, which hadn't yeah, happened in ridiculous. years. There was the whole Jordan mode in NBA 2K11. So, um, yeah, anyway, EA's trying to, trying to make another go of it. They're coming back with NBA Live 13. But this story is about NBA 2K13 and the cover athlete this year. They're actually doing three. They're doing uh, a triple. It's all three on the same cover as opposed to three separate covers. It's so messy. So the heat. <laughs> you would expect that, right? Yeah. But it's actually Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, and Derek Rose will share the cover. They're all Each hmm. of those three guys are going to be on the cover of NBA 2K13. Which leads me to think only Michael Jordan must have said no this year. Yeah, what what do you do? <laughs> why after why that? wouldn't you put Michael Jordan on the cover every year? Was right? he was he on it multiple years in a row or just the one? The last two. Okay. La- each okay. of the last two years he was on the cover. Wow, I did not know that. Huh. Yeah, so um, maybe Jordan wanted more money or what? Because <laughs> the sales have gone through the roof the last two years. Mm. I mean it's been it in fact, every month the game's still in the top ten on the NPD sales charts. Oh, wow. Whereas, you know, it, as you were saying, Mitch, when it was, it's been a good series for a long time, but it's never had this the kind of legs that it's shown right. over the last couple of years. It, do sports uh, games really ever have that kind of longevity? No, because they're self-defeating. Seem, yeah. The existence of annualizing it just seems right. completely antithetical to that. I mean, even Madden usually trails <clears throat> off the sales charts right. fairly quickly. Like, everybody buys it at the beginning of the football season. 
and then that's it. But but NBA 2K has had this weird, weird leg where it just keeps going, long tail, yeah. as they say in the business. So um, anyway, so if you're curious, it will not be the Miami Heat. Any of them. It seems the like you, when you said three, yeah, two, I was yeah, like, think oh, a they're big just three right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, but keep. I wonder. You want to you want to bet a little bit of money now, but uh, NBA yeah. Elite has probably they oh, probably yeah, EA yeah. probably thought well we need to do anything we can to try and get people to notice us this year NBA Elite. So I'm gonna take oh, a st- nicely yeah, done, yeah. sir. <laughs> Thank you. Nicely Thank done. You. I'm gonna take a stab in the dark and list people who I think are basketball stars. Okay, <laughs> Dwayne Wade. Correct. Is he on Ding. the cover? Of nothing that okay. that's been announced. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever made the cover of a game. Actually, LeBron James. Yep, he's a he's, he's a basketball Wade's person. Teammate. He just won his first championship. See, look, yeah. he's okay. just naming. Yeah, yeah you're he's doing naming good. Heat. Is Blake yeah. Griffin? A basketball I just said person? him. Yeah, he's oh, okay. on the cover. That's probably yes. Okay, yeah, he's the guy that jumped over the car in I the dunk it. contest. Yeah, the, he's pretty impressive. Also, I heard that they're going to make a Harry Potter game featuring him, and it's going to be called Blake Gryffindor. God damn it. I've heard this. Oh, Nick Vargas, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Yes, again, again. <laughs> burrito approved. That pun hurt Yeah, my what is face. the Is the burrito, is the burrito over there, is, your, is that your yeah, joke writer feeding man. you the lines? Like, <laughs> you, it, it feeds you everything. It feeds you beans, it feeds you rice, it feeds you meat, and it also feeds you jokes. Yes, it does. Feeds me a stomachache. I wrote that one in yeah. three seconds, Nick. <laughs> I'm right here for you. I love that the burrito is just Mr. Hanky. It's Mr. Hanky. <laughs> well, you know, he is going to ultimately become Mr. Hanky once that he gets correct. through Nick's body. Oh, yeah, I guess so. so. Actually, knowing, seeing how greasy that burrito is, he'll be lucky if he's as well-formed <laughs> as Mr. Hanky is. Wow. He might come out a little looser than that for all we know. I don't... I don't know what your diet's like, or you know how your how high, regular your high in fiber, are. high in fiber on both <laughs> bookending every burrito in fiber one. <laughs> Mister Burrito, my middle name's Fiber. Big fan of how off the rails this podcast got this week. I'm having fun. <laughs> well, you know what happened was it's, it's kind of so oh, yeah, number one sports on the list. We're like, <laughs> well, <laughs> let's talk about burritos. We normally record the show in the morning. Before lunch, I think we're just a little loopy here after lunch. Yeah, uh, and we the it's a little disjointed this week because we recorded the one hour long Telltale interview earlier this week where it was a it was an in depth hard hitting interview. I I hope you'll agree. It was fun. There was some there was we hit on some uh, we we put them up to task on a couple, on a few things. I think so. We picked on Jurassic Park a little bit yep. as you'll hear very shortly. Yep. Uh, but you know. Not unfairly, I don't think. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know why we're all a little loopy. Maybe it's just because it's my subconscious procrastinating because I have a million things to do once yeah. we actually stop. We press the stop button here, and I don't. I'm, Which I don't we're never going that. to you do. Just delay. <laughs> Sorry, you're stuck with us for the rest of your. We're going to live stream this podcast for eternity. It is the internet. There's unlimited everything. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. For anyway, uh, final bit of news this week. Which this had an immediate reaction around the office, and I want to get your guys' take on it. Far Cry 3, which is, of course, the latest in the first-person shooter series, originally conceived by Crytek, but Ubisoft bought it, and then Crytek went off and did Crisis. I know I, I prefer Far Cry myself. Oh, I'm then, not a big Crisis guy. And Ubisoft Montreal went out to make the best first-person shooter ever with Far Cry 2. 
So you like the oh. a, the Savannah action? Oh, so much. Hot Savannah action. So much. Like having no malaria. No, I love it. Live for that. <laughs> Give me it. I want it in real life now. <laughs> yeah. See, well, if you well, had the burrito I did, uh, <laughs> let's just say it's not completely off the table. I'll give you malaria, Mitch. Take a boat out of me. <laughs> Who knows? If you leave me sitting out here long enough, I can cause all kinds of problems for you. <laughs> We're going to come back next week, and it's going to be just still- <laughs> slightly closer to the microphone. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been preparing for the show all week. <laughs> anyway, um, so Far Cry 3 following up on is leaving the african savanna and heading back to the tropical jungles of some paradise island that turns out to not be paradise shocking twist (laughs) um so they've delayed it it was originally going to be out september 4th and i don't know if you if you have a long enough memory you'll recall that ubisoft actually staked their they put their flag in the ground on this quite a while ago september they picked out september 4th long before anybody else had really staked a big claim. This was in like February. If that might have even been sooner than that, I'm not yeah. sure. But you know, before Halo announced their date, so they were probably hedging their bets, thinking, well, if Halo comes out in September again, mm-hmm. we better get out earlier in September, so that you know, before Halo announced. I mean, you knew Call of Duty would be in November, but but it slowly after Far Cry went with September 4th, all these other games were putting their flags in the ground for different holiday dates. But now, and so it seemed like, right, with all these games coming out, Far Cry, early September, one of the first major games out this holiday season, that was a good spot for it, good window for it, it's best chance for success. Until this week. What happens, Mitch? Well, well, Ubisoft went and delayed Far Cry to December 4th? December 4th. Well, what's funny is the the PR email caught us all off guard (laughs) because it listed November 29th first. But then when you read it again, oh, that's for Europe. Oh, weird. What? Even then, it's only like a few more days, but it did catch us off guard enough to go, oh, November, that's not that, ooh, December. Oh, December, death. What do you, wow, okay, I guess we're going to get to the uh, whole talking about this, but. Let's get to it now. Okay, What's on your yeah, mind? Go. So, What's on your mind, burrito? Would it be, well, <laughs> well what I think. <laughs> um, Those guys are fools. Maybe what they're thinking, besides maybe they just need this time. But like, well, maybe, obviously, because yeah. they would put it out if it were ready for sure. Yeah, sure. But like, is there any like proximity to Christmas where people would just get that as a gift more than like everyone I know that's going to get Halo Four isn't going to get it for Christmas. They're just going to buy it when it comes sure, out. Right. So like, is there some proximity to Christmas that could make that like ideal giftage or something? I don't know, Mitch. I guess. I mean, Far Cry is not really a popular name, is it? It's nah. known, so but I would, yeah. I'd put it on about the same level as Crisis. Right, and so I'd, like, without being too derogatory to yeah. it, like, it's kind of a B-level shooter. Yeah, it's no not, offense. It's not on the same level as, you know, the expected Halos, Call of Duties, Gears of Wars, Uncharted, all this yeah. big-name stuff. So maybe it would fit better in that category just because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't want to buy it myself, so maybe I'll get it for Christmas. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also, that's 20 days before holidays. It's yeah, after nuts. Black Friday. And it's, there's the key. You just hit on the key. It's after Black Friday. For whatever reason, I am not a Michael Pactor, although sometimes it's fun to pretend. Um, I Michael think Pactor, this no, game's never mind. coming up. <laughs> you know what? I we, met can have, we can have Nick's burrito BR Burrito BR analyst. analyst. Burrito analyst. What could, yeah, analyst. Can we get some fan art for this burrito? 
half-eaten so, burrito. <laughs> the reason fourth why. Fourth guest on okay, the oh, podcast. Hang on, just, I need to interrupt you because we just got another email at 159. Uh-oh. Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that I've subscribed to your show on the Zune Marketplace. Zune users do exist. <laughs> They're still coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, people need to let us know. So, uh, burrito, why, why is this a bad idea? Because once Black Friday rolls around... <laughs> That's it. You have to have had your game out what? for Black Friday. Otherwise, no one's going to buy it, really. Why didn't they just yeah. push it back further? Well, because well, any further and you're pressing into like the Q1 2013 territory. Exactly. And that is so dense without GTA 5, which everyone is kind of expecting to launch in yeah. February, March, April. So they're kind of, they're basically... They should just go straight to Far Cry 4 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they're caught between a rock and a hard place, I think, right, guys? Because if they can't make September, obviously... You're into the holidays up against Halo and Call of Duty uh, and right everything else. Yeah. But if you, go to, if you go into quarter, you can't go into first quarter because then it's, well, Crisis mm-hmm. and it's uh, Bioshock and it's, what, probably Splinter Cell and a million other things. Yeah. And, if you, go, and if you go any further than that, Grand Theft Auto, probably. Yep. And if you go any further than that... You get into the summer and fall when everyone's probably going to stop buying games and we're going to be gearing up. The, the next consoles will be announced and everyone's going to just be waiting for those things. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. bad news. So it just, I'm guessing, obviously, they picked December 4th because they figured it's the best of the worst. A, la- a lousy situation. <laughs> yeah. So to, to play devil's advocate real quick. That's the same I'm date. I'm the devil, Mitch. It, yeah. In 2008, <laughs> Be December... Be my advocate. December 4 is the same day, I believe, that Prince of Persia came out. And that game did great. Did it? I think I think it did pretty okay. Okay. Well, I mean, then, for, for a December game, it did pretty okay. Then there is precedent for it. See, I, I had forgotten about that one. You Typically, history has shown us that if you're not out by Black Friday, you shouldn't bother yeah. coming out during the holidays. I, 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 maybe it didn't do that well. They didn't do another one. Well, that's true. <laughs> they did the terrible, or I guess it was just kind of mediocre, the not movie movie adaptation. Right. Sands Forgot, the, Forgotten Sands? Yes, correct. Forgotten Sands. Blood in the Sands. Yeah. Blood in the Sands. <laughs> that was the title of last week's podcast. Comic Sands. Prince of Persia, Comic Sands. 50 Cents of Persia. When, when, <laughs> when we go back in time using the power of fonts. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, if you were anticipating Far Cry 3, you're going to have to wait an extra three months and then decide if you still want it, given all of the other games coming out. Because that's, you know, just comparing to other first-person shooters, you're probably going to have purchased Halo. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have purchased Call of Duty. Will You know, are, is there going to be any first-person shooter money left? Oh, Dishonored, by the way, is in oh, there. Oh, man, yeah. The Doom 3 rehash. Borderlands 2 is is later in september oh my god 2012 kicks so much ass so it's gonna be so good that's you're coming out after all of these not only very popular but very big selling first person shooters will there be any first person shooter money left no for far cry (laughs) so (laughs) say it's nick i yeah i well i have far cry 2 and i've never played it because i have other games that i got lost in the backlog yeah you should play far cry 2 so we can have really pompous self-indulgent conversations okay yeah no that's the best motivation i've had so far so far cry 2 is the greatest game ever that game looks weird far cry 3 that's a problem that i have yeah i'm I'm still not sold on it and i've played it a couple times and 
it's interesting. It's very Far Cry. It's got like the bow stuff is cool. The chain kills are really cool. But everything they've showed us like is bad because it's super drugs linear and super stuff. well that that stuff is fine because i mean they're going to start showing the drugs and the insanity and that stuff's all going to come into play throughout the story but just the the missions they've been showing us are super linear call of duty style stages mm. i just wonder if the guy voss has anything else besides do you know what the definition of insanity is <laughs> that seems to be his whole shtick yeah that's all he does the whole the game. whole game it's I'm like insane. i'm pretty sure you're the insane and i'm gonna one. show you <laughs> ask me that 50 more times let me guess all right let's go on record now here's my guess the twist in far cry 3 is fight club voss <laughs> is in your head exactly. I was just right? to say, voss is not real he's not real he's in your mind wow man that's... fight club spoilers <laughs> scratching <laughs> limitations in <that> 1995 <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That burrito <laughs> will be lo- will be around longer than Fight Club. Will if we be eat this burrito, I'm pretty sure we will meet Vaz. <laughs> yeah, it, it might cause you to hallucinate at this point. Is if his just, last name Deferens? Jeez, that'd be awesome. If you right? let that cheese congeal in there a little bit, oh, it's congealed. I don't mm. even get it. Vaz Deferens. Deferens. It's a part of the body. Yeah, uh, that was hardcore. Yeah, it is. it's biology. That major, was a smart Nick man's joke. Yep. Not for me. <laughs> Aimed at an entirely different audience. Says a man wearing a salmon-colored shirt. Hell yeah! <laughs> Should be. That's that's. This is a facade. You're wearing a smart guy shirt. This is a facade. I assure you. It's All an right. elaborate disguise. Well, that's it for the news unlock this week. There really weren't a lot of big stories, Mitch. As you said, it's it's kind of finally E3 is spinning yeah. down. Yeah, finally. We've been waiting for it. So Nick, uh, Nick and Mitch, what's what's going on in the marketplace? Can, where can we spend our money this week? Oh, there's so much good stuff this week, actually. We know where we should spend our money. IGN.com? I don't know. No, I, I, well, I, 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 if you can, pl- sure. Go.IGN.com yeah. slash IGN store. The game we, were, play, the game we were playing dead. last night. Oh, the yes. whole thing. Yeah, by Walking Dead. So Walking simple. Dead is out this week. It's kind of popped up out of nowhere. Tuesday, we heard like, <laughs> it's out tomorrow. And it's out. And it's awesome. And you should absolutely play it. It's it's really good. Oh, really Seriously, great. you guys. I mean, if you didn't like episode one and you're a crazy person, then this will do nothing there for you. There weren't any burritos in it, but I thought it was red. Ah, uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. I'm an undead burrito, mother effer. They're all undead. That's true, actually. There aren't any um, burritos in the land of the living. Nope. They're all from somewhere else. So what else? What, what can we buy this week, guys? Also on Xbox Live Arcade, Jeremy McGrath's off-road racing thing. I didn't play that at all, but our review is live. What did we give it? 7-5. Pretty good, good then. Decent bad. game, right. good game. Yeah. Right. And Ten. word on the street is Mad Riders is pretty good, too. Yeah, we'll have a code for that to give away later in the show for um, for the Unlock Block trivia our, section. Our main man, Yair, got back to us and said he was enjoying it. Yeah, and I'm just glad he was able to use it because yeah, he's over in Israel. But the code sometimes those codes are region specific yeah, for and it's weird. Reason. But um, we got it to work. Uh, on the retail side, we have my favorite game of this month and like one of my favorite games of the year. Despite you know against all odds, Spec Ops: The Line is really really cool. Wow, that game accomplishes a lot with a really really engaging mature story that is so much more than the ads would have you believe. So. If you were thinking, like, yeah, maybe that game would be cool, it, it really is. Don't worry about the multiplayer. Stick to the single player. It's not very long, but, I mean, that's when you're going to want to play twice. So right. Six hours of campaign, play it twice, 12 hours. Really awesome stuff. Surprising. Uh, also surprising is The Amazing Spider-Man. We gave that a 7.5? Uh, 8? Seven seven I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was, I've uh, been busy. I don't read the internet. I, 
I don't read the site listen, I work on. Listen, it's good. I write the site I work on. Our, our boy Greg Miller, he really enjoyed the game. Said it was a, a, not a great game, but a very fun game, which it kind of appeals to me in the same way that all Spider-Man games do, where you just get to like sling around and collect stuff and yeah. beat on guys. And the, the story kind of sucks. But by the way, don't play that game if you're planning to see that movie. Because it spoils which is, everything. By the Weird. way, it is also reviewed on IGN.com is by it? our film team. Yeah, Excellent. I read uh, <laughs> seven five. Um, <laughs> everything is pretty good. No, he actually gave it a six. It's Scott oh. um, Cholera. That's his cholera. name. <laughs> cholera. 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 Loving cholera. In the <laughs> cholera. Time More of biology lessons. Burritos. <laughs> Isn't cholera like it's a cholera? Sorry, Scott. I feel like cholera is a disease. It is. It is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Anyway, yeah, no, it's uh, if you go read Scott's review on is it wait is it movies.ign.com? Ign.com slash movies slash movies. Okay, slash he he movies. really summed up kind of the weird, um, just lameness, the sort of uh, lack of enthusiasm that I've been feeling about that movie. His review sort of spells it out, and having seen the film, I'm gonna wait till I'm, word. I'm gonna wait till I watch it just in case. Because I don't want to go... Because I'm very easily tainted by movie reviews. Game Same. reviews, not so much. But I read a movie review, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be she looking for that. She is a poor time. actress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would walk out going, oh, it's pretty good. And then I read Prometheus reviews and go, oh, so everyone's right, and I'm a fool. <laughs> I disagree with movie reviews pretty often, though. That's like a thing. Like, I when I read a game review, someone gives something a six that I thought is an eight, for instance. I just have, am like, oh, well, their opinion is yeah. different. But when it's a movie review, I'm like, no, you were wrong. Like, this <laughs> movie was fine. Some movie reviewers are crazy people. That's true. They are, some of them are just insane people. Yeah. Yeah, they've been maybe chugging the Kool-Aid a little too long. <laughs> I one, love one too many sets of visits to the set. Yep, kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> Nick, what other thrilling mar- retail releases do we have this week? Oh man, you're not even gonna believe this, guys. We got London 2012 Olympics. Is that happening? Is that this year? Is that 2012? That's that's happening. <laughs> that's gonna ruin. Uh, if you're a fan of any shows on NBC, it's gonna ruin your life. Spoil. Or- it's gonna have a bunch of spoilers. Do not play that game before the London 2012 <laughs> Olympics. <laughs> Michael Phelps wins again. No, it's it's nobody watches NBC anymore. Everyone just watches HBO. Yeah, I just yeah, I just got HBO. I'm so stoked. I'm so sad that we don't have HBO. It's uh, you know what it is too. It's HBO is not even worth subscribing to. It's It's, I'm subscribing to Go. Yes, exactly. Every episode of all of their shows ever on my Xbox and HD or on any of my devices, my computer or phone or iPad. It's great. It's beautiful. And the, I'll tell you what, some apps are really awful on Xbox, like the Netflix app right. is just trash. It's awful. Uh, the, you know, the layout and implementation is not good. The HBO Go app, very nicely good. nicely implemented. Good. Uh, yeah, then you guys aren't going to believe this. Hit me. We got Dead Island Game of the Year Edition, which I like to call the Gotcha Edition. <laughs> gotcha. Somebody that I used to know, Dead Islands. <laughs> That's just one possibility uh, because it's spelled G-O-T-Y, all caps. Can mm-hmm. you believe that? Which is interesting because I'm pretty sure that game wasn't actually Game yeah, of the Year. Yeah, I was just going to say, in what, on what planet was that game? So I mean, it was good. It received exactly one Game of the Year award all it takes. from GameCritics.com. Ah, as a joke. <laughs> but actually, for $30, that's pretty compelling because there was a bunch of stuff that needed to be patched at time of review. Yeah. And it probably has been patched and I don't know what's different. Do you guys know? Yeah, well, I so, got the DLC. Yeah, it comes right. with the DLC, which includes like the Rider White single player expansion. So 
you play through the campaign fighting against this guy, Ryder White, and the campaign is really good. Like, that game is kind of underappreciated, I think, and I've only played it for a little bit, and it's like, you can see so many yeah pieces of genius just spread throughout the whole thing, and that's one I'm actually sad I didn't get back to. Um, but the Ryder White DLC was really awesome because you change perspectives and you play as the villain from bef- oh. before those survivors arrive on the island, mm-hmm. and it's just about rescuing your wife, and it's a really cool story, and you kind of understand this guy, uh, see him in a new light. I just am hearing that commercial music in my head now and just getting sad. Just a hearing him. I think he means the sad <laughs> Dead Island music. Oh. But uh, the Gautier song would fit there nice. <laughs> Somebody that I used to know. Um, and then used guys, to because they're dead. That's, okay. Yeah, they got turned into a zombie. <laughs> they ate too many of the burritos. Um, that's 30 bucks. I might consider that uh, yeah, worthy why not? purchase yeah. if you haven't done it. No, and the then. Just Dance Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, is aren't they all sort of greatest hits by <laughs> definition? <laughs> They're just milking it before Just Dance 4 yeah. comes yeah. around in the fall. 40 bucks. Get your sweat on. Actually, a great way to hang out with girls, mm. um, if that's your thing, uh, is just dancing. Yeah. Yep. Is that the that secret works? that I've been missing this whole time? Fortunately, I'm married, so I don't need any more secrets. But <laughs> That's why people, yeah, that's why you want like a connect in your house. Good. This so. is like the worst relationship <laughs> advice show ever. Nick Vargas, everybody. Well, yeah. who knows? He could he could have them lined up around the block thanks yeah. to his connect Thank for you. all we know. You guys don't know me. Microsoft should be filming you. <laughs> I know. I am major. They, I, you, if they filmed you, they're going to sell connects to every dude in the nation. Exactly. That's what I've been telling them. Pick up girls like, hey, I got to connect. You want to play beach volleyball? Or you know what else girls games? love is really, really big. Uh, I've got a huge connect huge, at Huge, huge. DLC expansion packs. Okay, you're holding yeah. this up. This piece of paper, and I'm just looking at the Ninja Turtle he drew yeah. on the back. And he's like, these really huge, like kind of like waving it back and forth. I'm like, they do not like Ninja Turtles. They love, trust me. They love expansion packs for Skyrim. Which, Dawn Guard, that's out now. $20. Ryan McCaffrey, you reviewed that. The review will be up, if not by the time this podcast airs, very, very we shortly thereafter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't get it until it actually came out. We weren't able to... Pro- they did not send out advanced copies this time, so I am working on it as we speak. Yep. But, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned... More like Yon you- Guard, am I right? Ah, that's me. I don't like that game. <laughs> Skyrim bores me so much. Mitch is a Canadian. Look, I loved that game until I started freaking mass-producing daggers. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I'm well, bored. Now I'm bored. <laughs> Dawn Guard is unlikely to win you over if you don't already like Skyrim. Obviously, it's an expansion pack. See, but- that said, I read your review and thought I would like to play that. I would like to play the vampire storyline. It seems more directed, like it... It's it's kind of shorter. It's more Definitely. focused. Like that's that's exactly what Skyrim needs for someone like me to play it. Well, you you're gonna need regular Skyrim. You I have it. Well, then there you go. It's uh, twenty bucks out on Marketplace this week. Download only for now. Although inevitably, because Bethesda's done it with every game ever. Gotcha edition. Yes, another another <laughs> another burrito that I used to know. Edition. I'm sure we'll be out probably for the holidays. Oh yeah, they got to be suspect. Why didn't we think of that sooner? Because we were talking about the Doom Edition being their like their right. recouping Good losses call. thing. No, it's totally going to be Skyrim, and they're going to be like, oh, November fifteenth. Yeah, you're right. Exactly a year later, that'll happen. 
Why didn't we think of that sooner? Battlefield 3 Close Quarters add-on, $15. 15 bucks? Or free if you paid for Battlefield Premium, which... Is anybody doing that? Like, that thing is terrible, right? I'm not mistaken. That Battlefield, I don't know. I'm so not into premium at all. Eh. So it's know, it's man. $70, which is more than the video game is worth at retail. For, a lot more. A lot more. For these map packs, which are... You know, the map packs are pretty sizable, um, except Close Quarters, which is deliberately small scale. I think it comes with a bunch of, like, maps and weapons and stuff, so that's nice. But the whole idea that you're paying for Carcand, which came up for free, and then Close Quarters and Endgame, and there are, are these various DLC packs, I really feel like $70 is too much. Kind of like I feel $15 is too much for a map pack. That is that is a steep price to pay, for sure. L- email us and let us know, like, are you using yeah. premium? Are you buying these map packs for $15? I know that's what Battle- or, uh, sorry, Call of Duty's traditionally done as well, and that always just seems like highway robbery to me. Speaking of emailing us, I forgot to mention earlier, um, we mentioned that you know the Mass Effect 3 Extended Cut is out this week. Yep. Neither one of us has watched it. Nope. Uh, our, our listeners out there are probably just getting around to checking it out. Yeah. When you check it out, drop us a line, unlocked at IGN.com, and let's have a chat about it on next week's show. I'm very curious to hear what everybody else thinks. I'm very curious to see what I think of it. As, yeah. a, as a listener pointed out, it is not podcast at unlocked.com, as I said last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that... I don't know where that email goes. Not to us, though. No, that's not us. It's, it's a totally separate website that probably does, does not exist. The last thing uh, out this week, Penny Arcade on the Rain Slick Precip- Penny Arcade Adventures on the Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness, Episode 3. Reviewed by you on IGN.com. Indeed. It's available for $5 on the Indie Games channel, not the Live Arcade channel. And please play this game. It is so funny. Like, it's it's a... Funnier really- than me, Mitch. Shut your mouth, burrito. <laughs> he looks at it. <laughs> Just sitting there. It's it's a really Has nice. Has not you know, moved. They have a thing that f's fruit in that game. I could totally fit right in. They do, but they actually get rid of the fruit friend pretty early on, burrito. Hmm. They, what uh, spoiler? No, I'm sorry. So <laughs> it's it's a it's Spo- presented. I'll spoil your stomach if you let me in there. You you already are. <laughs> Penny Arcade is it's a very different game than the first two episodes, which were on Live Arcade, and now it's a very traditional looking JRPG. Yeah, with, I so, love it. I love that I, that whole it's approach. So, yeah. And the combat system is way more complex than you would think. It starts out really simple, and it builds up and builds up and builds up. And eventually, it you, it hits you that, like, oh, every single fight is a puzzle based on the abilities I have and how I'm using them with other characters, how I'm buffing these people, how I'm knocking enemies back on the command bar hmm. with interrupt attacks. And it's you have all of these skills that you have to use. It's kind of like math homework, but Don't fun. say that. No one's going to download it if you say that. <laughs> yeah, it's It's all a bunch of very awesome problem solving with a bunch of elaborate like these jokes these jokes man they are so good but they take so long to build up because they really commit to the joke but i mean it is essentially it's done exactly in the vein of like final fan the old school super nes final fantasies right to the point that there is a straight up like there's a section that is a very astute parody of that and that's um that's not on arcade though correct correct it is indie games which Hmm. You know, I, I honestly have no idea how to get to there from no one the does, dashboard. Unfortunately. So if you Google Penny Arcade Adventures on the Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness, Episode 3, Xbox.com, oh. you will find it. That's that's the easiest way to find it. How ridiculous is wow. that? Wow. And that is our weekly releases. That is our Marketplace report. Wait, wasn't there like a free game this week? Oh, yes. Haunt is on XBLA for free uh, until Monday, July 2nd. It's a Connect Arcade Haunted House Adventure game. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Free I mean, game. Yeah, and it, apparently it's not bad. Yeah. and uh, We gave it a 10. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we didn't do that. We did not review this game. Do, doesn't okay. that have the voice of Tim Schafer? Yeah, I'm not sure in what capacity, like a narrator or an NPC of some kind. He's in there just being Tim Schafer. <laughs> well, then, then that's worth free, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Good. Check it out. All right. So let's take a quick musical interlude here, which is just the podcast intro music looped back in again because I need a little. <laughs> Somebody should write us. Some yeah, if you, if you want music, your, if you want music I will on the podcast, you. you know what? I actually would solicit one for ours too, um, but make it on like an iPad because that would be cool for tech fetish if people made it on technology. Make your music for us on an Xbox. Yeah. I don't know how you would do that. Yeah, just dance. Just, <laughs> just record yourself just record playing, playing just, just dance. dance. <laughs> the sounds of your feet hitting the your floor in the living room as you <laughs> as you shake it to the and your neighbors. Oh, anyway, stop out of the room. <laughs> we will come right back and chat. With uh, with Dennis Lenart and Nick Herman, there's his name right in front of me on the sheet. There, they're the two of the men responsible for well, pretty much everything yeah. Telltale has done. For They've worked on everything. Stuff. We'll learn all about them and get into some spoiler-free Walking Dead stuff with uh, episode two that's just released right after this. <laughs> Another week, another couple special guests joining us here on Podcast Unlocked. Uh, we've got two gentlemen from Telltale Games. I want to welcome Dennis Lenart, the game director on episode two of The Walking Dead Star for Help. Welcome, Dennis. Cool, thanks. And Nick Herman, the, the uh, lead cinematic artist on this one. I had to check the notes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that title's getting borderline long. You might want to think about yeah. condensing that down a little bit. But I'm told uh, by you... Nick, that you're going to be, you're actually, you'll be directing episode four, yeah, correct? Yeah, we're actually so. just swapping roles. He's going to be the lead cinematic artist for four. So. Do you draw straws for that, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> it comes down to scheduling, and, yeah. you know, I think previous projects, we, you know, we were doing, what, Back to the Future or something? Or, yeah, uh, we always kind this. of, and also, you know, we, we know the stories, um, the season ahead of time, so people... Sort of latch on to certain episodes, and I was going to say, like, do you do you grab the you know Dennis? You take you draw the first straw and go, oh, this is episode two. That's the better Mm. script. I'm going to take that one. (laughs) Definitely, the first time I heard the pitch for it, I was in the room and I just like raised my hand and said, like, I'll take that one. And yeah, Yeah. it's good. Well, episode two, Star for Help, is out (laughs) this week on whatever your platform of choice. But given that we are an Xbox podcast, we of course advocate that you purchase it on Xbox 360, even though it's technically a dollar per episode more expensive than it. Could be on other platforms, but we'll pretend <laughs> you did. You know, we'll just ignore that little fact. Uh, but I'm sure Telltale would be happy on any platform you might desire to purchase it on. It's even coming to iPad, right, guys? Sl- a little behind later. Mm-hmm. It's coming to iPad mm-hmm. later, not not straight out of the gate. But PC, PSN, and of course Xbox Live Arcade. So the game. Before we start, we'll just start with a quick plug. The game is out now. Episode two for just five bucks, 400 Microsoft points. But you must own. You have to actually own episode one. You cannot simply have the trial version. You do need to own the game. So, um, in a manner of speaking, it's ten dollars, but not, but, but not really ten dollars for, for two, two games. games yeah. yeah, for two so. games. And in the but in the future, hypothetically, right? You could 
you could have episode one and not have episode two and buy three, four, or five. So you why could, you would do that? I why don't you would know. do that would be nuts because the game's amazing. Uh, Mitch and I literally we each played through it yesterday and we're yep. comparing notes this morning, and I'm blown away again. I mean, I love the first game. Um, having come over to IGN recently from official Xbox magazine, when episode one came out, we were just, we could not stop talking about it. And now being here at IGN, same thing with episode two, Mitch and I were just like, what did you do here? What did you do there? Uh, there's some really heavy moments. There's some extremely dark things that happen. <laughs> <There> in ep- <laughs> episode two takes, if you thought the first game was bleak and was dark, episode two takes it to a whole new level. Um, Particularly physically, it's just there are some horrific physical things that happen uh, in episode two, which uh, you just you've got to see. It took me two and a half hours for episode two, Mitch. Yep, about the same. same. A yeah, little took, bit longer than episode one. Yeah, it took me about two hours for episode one. So it's just you know I could go see a movie in a theater with a bunch of douchebags on cell phones and texting <laughs> in the middle of the theater, and the movie's probably going to be mediocre anyway, like Prometheus. <laughs> but, or you could spend five bucks less than the cost of a movie. And just sit in front of your your Xbox, play, uh, you know, you've got to play, and that's the thing, too, with this, is you've got to play through The Walking Dead in one shot, right, right guys? You don't, yeah. you don't stop and come back. You just do it. Yeah. You allocate the two hours, right, the two right. and a half hours, and you do it all it's, at once, It's the right? preferred way to For play. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So the game is out this week. So episode one is required, but episode two, then, is just $5. And so, gentlemen, I want to start first. You guys are Telltale veterans. I mean, Telltale is a company with a... A pretty amazing history when you think about it. It's it formed out of the uh, sort of out of the ashes of the LucasArts design, uh, LucasArts adventure game years. I mean, it came sort of way later, but a lot of former LucasArts adventure game designers and and folks came over to Telltale, and you guys are up just just a forty minutes north of us here in the in the North Bay of San Francisco on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. So, Dennis, how long have you been with with Telltale, and what projects have you worked on? And then, Nick, I've got the same question for you. Sure. Uh, I started on Homestar Runner at the very beginning, so I've been here about four years, um, and I've I think I've worked on every episode of every game since I started. Wow! So basically, every series <laughs> except, we've done, except for maybe Monkey Park. Island One, oh, oh, episode yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I was still on Wallace and Gromit or something at that point. But uh, but yeah, it's it's actually a really cool thing being a part of the studio because. There's so many different episodes going on uh, just all at the same time. And yeah. the series are always in pre-production while another one's finishing up. So whenever you're on one, you're always looking down the road for the next you know year at all the stuff coming up. Wow. And it just keeps you super excited. So. How many people are at Telltale these days? How big have you guys gotten? Uh, just over like 100. That's like 125. Over 100 people. Okay. Something like that, something yeah. Like that. yeah. So yeah, you've worked on everything. Nick, how about you? How long have you been with the company? Um, I actually uh, I started interning there out of high school. Uh, so six years. Um, and, uh, I, so I, I, the, the, my interview was on the day that they, sh- they launched episode one of season one of Sam and Max. Wow. So, uh, that was my interview. And then I started like, a, like a, a week or two after that. And so I've been basically working on everything since that. That's, you had to uh, build your own desk, probably, right? I, I built everyone's desks, oh. actually. As the intern, all desks and chairs were built and by it, so me. So nobody is allowed to complain about their, their office <laughs> setup around you. So, um, guys, I mean, Walking Dead is, it's a definite departure from everything you guys have done. Telltale started again, having come from the LucasArts pedigree. We started with a lot of, a lot of, uh, very comedy focused things at Telltale with Monkey Island, uh, Sam and Max, and then graduating even, even Back to the Future is very lighthearted. 
But now, uh, with The Walking Dead, we, it's, it's a very, very different approach. There's, the only humor is maybe almost accidental dark humor. Yeah. It's nothing that's written in like, I'm putting a joke right here at this, <laughs> at this moment. At what point do you guys realize, holy shit, we've really got something with this game? Because uh, I'll tell you why I think Walking Dead works, but I kind of want to hear from you first. Yeah, I think definitely when, you know, in the past games, like you're saying, that mostly comedic um, flavor, you're always just trying to come up with the best joke and showing people around the office. And when they laugh, then you know it's working. Um, With Walking Dead, it was actually kind of an interesting discovery because, you know, when production started, there's no laughter at the office anymore. It was just like (laughs) people just focused (laughs) on their screens. And for a while, we were kind of going like, is this working? We think this is really cool. And then you realize, you know, you see someone working on like the um, the Irene scene from episode one with the the girl in yeah. the, uh, the motel room, and they're on it for you know a month or two, and you just start seeing their persona slowly destroyed when you talk to them every day, and then you're like, okay, this it's it seems like it's really affecting, and then other people play the final scene, you know, internally, and it was really once once we sort of had the episode probably 80% done and people started playing through to see what was going on with everyone else's scenes that we started noticing a lot of the comments and people just being like, holy crap, like this is really good. Like we, you know, we wanted it to be good. And, yeah, and I, yeah I would say for me, it was uh, pretty late in the process when we started realizing that it was working because I mean, you have, you know, you have the designers, you have Sean and Jake doing their like high level stuff and, yeah. uh, and you just have to trust them because it's not your job to do that. And so you, you make this thing and, and you go, wow, this is really dark. This is completely different. Like I'm not laughing anymore. Like, you know, Sam and Max, you're laughing every day, like making the mm-hmm. game. And, and yeah. so you're like, well, I, you know, I feel pretty destroyed. So that, that's probably a good thing. Like that's <laughs> probably what we want. And, yep. uh, basically, yeah, when, when we were putting the final, you know, touches on it, we started realizing that. We, that well, it was what did you guys cool. do? What did you guys each do on episode one? Um, I, I had the scene, uh, with Clementine and Lee in the office when you're moving the desk around and talking to her about her family and, um, that was my favorite scene. Oh, cool. Cool. They have the great talk about dads and the hat. Yeah. 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 That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, and I did some action scenes like the bathroom zombie. Are you talking about from? So you did cinematic stuff on I that did, as well. Did the, the acting and did the cameras and pace. Okay, yeah. yeah. So essentially, more or less directed that scene. Yeah, sort of. that, yeah. that's kind of how it works at the company. We have like a cinematics uh, team that um, takes on entire scenes and um, and then just takes that and get basically gets it to where the uh, what the end user sees. So you take it from essentially the script, the script and yeah. turn it into an actual scene working with the director and animators and stuff. Okay. But yeah, you kind of are a little owner of that scene. And then yeah. Dennis, what, mm-hmm. what was your role on episode one? Uh, man, I kind of hopped around on a lot of different stuff on episode one. One thing that I, I focused on in the beginning was uh, the navigation coming off our past games. You know, there's definitely um, still, we were trying to refine the process. And I think uh, so far on walking dead, it feels like we've done a pretty decent job of making it feel pretty good to walk around. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things no one thinks about, but it's, yeah, it takes it's huge... so freaking long to get that stuff feeling right. Hmm. Yep. Well, I did. Cause I did want to ask, um, you know, there walking dead feels like the, the perfect joining of sort of the old school point and click approach that you guys took with your early stuff with Sam and Max um, merged with sort of the newer, not quick time stuff, but sort of cinematic-y approach of Jurassic Park. So, you know, obviously Jurassic Park was a game for me that I, I don't mean it in an insulting way to say guilty pleasure, but it's, it's a game that I played through and, and enjoyed, even though I, you know, I recognize that, in my opinion, it did have its share of flaws. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what lessons did you kind of take 
from previous games because to me i i see a lot of sort of the best elements of other telltale games coming together in walking dead sure yeah i mean jurassic park was one one of those things where we were doing something completely new and um and without without being able to take that approach on walking dead we wouldn't have what we have you know being having the freedom to just say hey we're going to try something new and right and the feedback to jurassic park was what it was but we we you know we there we had our first shot at making something dramatic and and scary and building tension and working with you know a little more more grounded characters um so we took a lot away from that um and that and that went a lot into uh, what we do in walking dead yeah no i agree that it was definitely you know that was sort of uh, coming from a background of again making mostly comedic games for years we always wanted to do something that was more dramatic uh, just because a lot of us are really interested in that in films in general and other games um and so Jurassic Park was definitely the kind of learning ground where we just tried a bunch of different stuff and we took what we liked and you know kind of left the stuff that we didn't like that didn't work behind and uh, I think like what Nick was saying it's it really sort of shows in Walking Dead that I think we we managed to refine the process a bunch so without without going through that step uh, I don't think Walking Dead would be as good as it is Right now, um, not to not to pick on Jurassic Park, but you know, you guys, your your games, they all run on the same basic technology. You guys have mm-hmm. a Telltale engine, mm-hmm. and with Walking Dead, uh, I I think it it looks it's a it's an amazing visual style that you know uh, it does on Xbox. It's got a little some technical mm-hmm. some little little uh, slowdown hitches sure. like from time to time that are mildly annoying, but nothing that takes anything away. But I, it seems like it it really suits the game perfectly whereas jurassic park kind of went for a little more of a real mm-hmm. uh art art direction to it and didn't come off as well as some of the other games i mean like monkey island looks great and back to the future looks really cool and sam and max um were, were, was that again was there a lesson from from jurassic park uh with wow maybe you know we kind of need to with our with the engine we have and what we do we need to steer this in another aesthetic direction mm-hmm. or or did it i mean i suspect cell shading and sort of the comic book look was not hard to come to anyway. So kind of, I guess what I'm, where I'm driving at is um, how, how did the look of walking dead, the game come together, you know, both from looking at the graphic novels and your pre and the previous telltale games. I would say Sean and Jake. Yeah. I mean, I, they, Sean and Jake were working with the art team and uh, Derek Sakai and all those guys mm-hmm. um, who just made this look phenomenal. They, they spent a lot of time before anyone was even on the project, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just them just going, Hey, we want to make a walking dead game. All right, well, let's write a story. Hey, what should it look like? You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, this is like a, a year before people started like hopping on. So, I mean, um, I remember walking by their desk and just seeing some really amazing stuff. And yeah, I think from the beginning when <clears throat> we started seeing those initial concepts, um, we were really excited about it. Like I, they, they definitely went in with an idea of what they want and it seemed like it was almost 80% there right from the first sketches. Yeah. And then once we got in the engine um, and started, you know, playing around and they were kind of working with uh, the line work on the characters and how much we can show and how much we can make that feel from every different angle. Like they're really drawn on the page. Then it started getting really crazy cool. Looking. Yeah. I, I actually don't think it's, it's cell shaded either. Right. It's that we're nope. not doing that. It's, yeah. right. it's all I, drawn it's in. It's very painted. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It, it's all, it, it's just a normal character, just textured really, really well. <laughs> it's actually a really low res character too, right? Yeah. Like the character model looks very simple, but it mm-hmm. seems like the shading and depth comes from the painting. Mm-hmm. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. By the and, way, I don't think I didn't notice that the font you guys are using is the same font from Sam and Max. Oh, noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jake know that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and by the way, when we're talking about Sean and Jake, so Sean Vanneman mm-hmm. is the Sorry. the designer, the director on episode one, and Jake Rodkin, Rodkin. yeah, is. Uh, 
He's he's man of many things. He's I mean Jake, Jake <laughs> and Sean are kind of like uh, just overseeing the whole season and okay. they they worked with Kirkman and Skybound and Gary Witta and um, just to create kind of the season arc and right. just uh, to talk about the things they wanted yeah, to talk the about. The best way to look at it is kind of like we base our um, our creation model on um, episodic television, so they're sort of the showrunners right, okay. for the season. That's a that's a fair analogy. Now, how long? So um, Dennis, you you directed this episode, episode mm-hmm. two, Star for Help. Uh, available on Xbox Live Arcade now, five dollars. <laughs> D- did you write it as well? Oh no, I didn't. No. Okay. Yeah. But, well, how long do you know? So, how long does it take? Whoever's writing, how how long does it take to write one of these episodes? You know, how long do the guys hole up? Sure. Um, you know, it's, it, I think it definitely varies per episode. Some of them are more complex than others, and some some have um, that hook right up front, and others mm-hmm. you kind of find it as you go. Um, we do work with the writers um, when you're directing a game to kind of, um, you know, make sure that what comes out at the end is something that everyone is happy with and something that we feel like we can make and make it pop off on screen. Um, you know, I think there was there was definitely a lot of time spent on episode two, uh, especially after episode one came out. And we learned a lot about what people liked so much from episode one. And there was new things we were trying in episode two. So we were kind of able to sort of um, make those work and then come up with new stuff that we thought people would really dig from episode one. So I, you know, I, I don't really it's know. Tough. There's a, yeah, there wasn't like a specific time frame cause it was kind of written and then sort of put aside for a bit and we focused more on the season arc and then mm-hmm. came back to it. So, but it's definitely, I mean, I've been involved in it for probably six months or so. So now apparently if you're responding to feedback from episode one, people must really like dark things because episode two, <laughs> yeah. as we talked, it just takes a, a, uh, and an amazingly dark turn. I don't even know, Mitch. I mean, are there there were there any happy moments in episode two? No, and that's that's why like that's why I'm so interested in Walking <laughs> Dead is because it's a game like no other game wants you to feel bad the entire time. There's never a moment where you're supposed to feel good. Even this good deed you're doing, like I'm gonna give my friends food, it ends just with everyone miserable and hating you. <laughs> There's never a moment where you're where you really feel happy, and that's completely unlike every other game in the world now, i'm guessing do you what do you guys think of the can you you probably can't even attempt something like that to to convey something like that to the player until you've set it up with with episode one right like you couldn't have just come out swinging episode one and been like and and had that sort of all is lost everything sucks attitude like there there has to be a setup for that right yeah i mean episode yeah. two seemed to be it like one of its core themes was kind of just like just desperation and, yeah. and everything is kind of fucked, you know, like that's where it starts. And, and, and it's all about, I mean, you can talk about it dance, but it's, you know, really all about kind of working with the people that you're forced in these situations with. And, and it's episode two is a lot less about dealing with the zombies. It's more about dealing with the people in the apocalypse that you're for you sure, know. which is what makes the books go so good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and that's the thing that we're always really interested in. You know, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, from the beginning, Sean and Jake, I think, uh, their first meeting with, with Kirkman, um, you know, from we weren't there but heard the rumors. They basically came back and Kirkman was just like, yep, these guys get exactly what this needs to be. So we, we had that seal of approval right up front. And I think episode one was definitely the kind of like, let's lay some groundwork. And episode two is where we just start turning the screws on everything. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you decide what the key decisions are going to be 
for for the player and as you're as you're you know going into episode two are those are those laid out ahead of time like do you have a number in mind like okay i need five key decisions i want them to be involve this person this person this scene or does it does it evolve as you go and i guess uh, as a pre-follow-up to that as as you're as you're directing episode two and getting into it are there things that are on the the, the page script that you try out on screen and they're not working so well and and you're adapting mm-hmm. yeah i think there's definitely stuff that as we make the episode we kind of find that you know in these three areas we're super right on and these two actually don't work you know, exactly how we were thinking they would. So the decision then becomes, do we, you know, put more effort into trying to build these moments up to what they think we should be? Or sometimes you get the situation where everyone really likes this other part of the episode, which to you was kind of one of the little background elements, but people really sort of latch onto it. And especially, again, getting feedback from previous episodes uh, from people actually playing it. You know, sometimes we've noticed that there are those things that we just thought was a cool little moment that in episode one, people like really latched on to that, you know, yeah. the, the relationship between Lee and Clementine. And it's like, oh, man, OK, well, we have this really great decision <clears throat> in episode two. Let's sort of beef it up with what people liked about the Lee and Clementine relationship from episode one. Yeah. And that's and that's sort of like, you know, one of the great things about making it, uh, episodic games is we get to see what's happening in the previous episode and what people like, and we have all the stats tracked, and we know how many people are doing what, and you know, we can talk to them about why they did it, and uh, and then we can just go, well, maybe in uh, maybe in episode four, uh, we'll write something, something to support that, you know? Like, <laughs> totally, that person yeah. who clicked on that thing over there in the back of the you know barn, well, maybe if you clicked on that, someone's going to say something different. It's just, like, stupid stuff like mm-hmm. that. Right. But, but that builds such a great experience for people as they're playing through it. But actually, there is there is a, a you know the full season arc um, already mapped out, and we know what we know the most big of the big decisions yeah. are going to be for yeah. the future episodes. Okay. And and you, I think you have to be mindful of that because a lot of the stuff we're doing in uh, episode two Sets, is setting up things for episode up, yeah. three, four, and five. So, so um, you know at the at the end of each episode, uh, which anybody who's played either one and or two uh, will know. So at the end of each episode, you get that stat screen if you're connected to Xbox Live that shows you that you know what percentile you fell in of you know what percentage of players picked each decision relative to you have there been any of those you know so we've got i guess 10 of them now from five mm-hmm. from episode one or five from episode two uh, have any of those stats surprised you guys oh yeah i think the uh the well the doug carly doug one carly, for us yeah. it, which is just tough because doug was our old it guy so <laughs> literally modeled exactly after him so Everyone in the office saves Doug, and there's lots of really cool little Doug moments. And then uh, when we, you know, put it out in the world, uh, I think it was like 75% of people or something saved Carly, which, you know, in retrospect, they've basically, a lot of people have said, like, well, she had a gun, she looked like a badass, she could be helpful on our team. Or it's chivalry, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, Some of that, probably. Yeah, that's definitely definitely happening. Um, But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, like, you know, one one of the hardest things, I think, sometimes is... Um, <laughs> when you're making something and you and you you know you really like Doug and it's like mm-hmm. well in episode two we also have to really pay off Carly and yep. it's like God but everyone should have picked Doug we just gotta make <laughs> Doug awesome so then like you start beefing up the moments that people didn't pick just to yep. like make those guys you know the underdogs get something cool for sure but it's it's that balance that you gotta that we have to walk and. But there's other ones around the office where people are super divided on. And that's yeah. that's actually, to that's go back a good to kind thing, of the right? previous yes. question, yeah, that's yes. kind of one of the other uh, points where we realized the game was really working is we've had some people get pretty pissed off internally <laughs> at some of the decisions, but because they think it's so one-sided, but then, and so then, you know, as like a, a director, you feel like, oh man, okay, well, maybe I didn't play that 
right. Right. But then you get someone else, you know, at the water cooler going, what? No, you're an idiot. That's completely <laughs> the wrong way. And this yeah. huge debate starts and like 15 people come over and then you realize it's like split 50, 50 down the middle and everyone gets pissed off and goes back to their desks. And you're like, yes, wow, that's okay. That's exactly <laughs> what we wanted to happen. So. Yeah. Well, on, on a sort of similar note, I would argue, Mitch, tell me if you agree or disagree, that Duck is arguably the most underdeveloped character so far. <laughs> um, is that intentional or or given the development timelines, you just have to make tough creative choices about, you know, who to focus on and who, you know, who needs to not get so much attention in order to just get the next episode out? He'll get some time in future episodes. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. It's, up. yeah. He, it's funny because he's another one where people are completely um, divided on. Where I hate love, you know. Him. Again, yeah, it's like there's a lot of people who, since day one, have been going like, "Can we just kill him off?" <laughs> and then there's other people that are just like, "No way, man." That's like there's something. I think people either find him as like a a good like comic relief character or like it reminds them of their younger brother or yeah. something in kind of like a weird way. He loves Super Dinosaur. Exactly. He loves Super Dinosaur. <laughs> no, so. I think yeah, it's you always know like how the how someone's going to uh deal with duck or duck when, but when he says that first line in episode 1 where he comes out and goes, yes. "Dad, we're going to build a fence." Yep. And then other people go <sighs> Or they go, holy crap, that yeah, guy's yeah. hilarious. I want to hang out with that yeah. kid. <laughs> well, that or I think I thought, well, he's kind of annoying, but he's just an innocent young life. Yeah, I need right, to protect him. Right. Sure. So, we were actually surprised at how many people, uh, given the, the stat screen for episode two so far, it's only been out, you know, a little bit, and uh, already seeing how many people are giving him food, which we were kind of surprised yeah. for. We thought it would be, you know, 50-50, but... People, a lot I of guess, people are giving him food. Yeah, yeah. In episode kids. Two. yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that's Mitch. What, that's what's happening. That's what funny. it looks like on the graph. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm. I am playing Lee right now. You know, the, the things, the situations will evolve. Mitch and I were talking about this off the air before the show. That you know, how Mitch, you were saying that your sort of role play of Lee has changed. Yeah. Where you know, as the situation has turned darker, there was you know an. Uh, there's a there's a key moment in episode two. I don't want to get spoiler heavy here there because there are a few key moments in episode two. Just because two. you know the game just came out, or a lot of our listeners probably haven't played it yet, and it's a, it would be a crime to ruin it for anyone. But yeah. you were saying that from events, key events in episode two, you you kind of changed your approach to Lee. Yeah, I mean, I during episode one and looking out toward two, three, four, five, I thought, oh, my Lee is gonna be the most perfect, nice, chivalrous man there is. He's gonna take care of this kid. It's gonna be great. And I made some bad decisions in episode two <laughs> that I'm not happy about, but that's I made my bed. I got to lie in it. Yeah. And now he's starting to turn into this different person. And, cool. and so... Hmm. Um, actually, just real quick, yeah. just to piggyback on that question. <laughs> Do it. I actually don't think Duck is the least developed character. I mean, he's definitely at the least screen time, I think. Yeah. But in terms of important characters who aren't getting their, their due diligence, I think Katja needed more screen time leading into episode two for multiple reasons for things that happen in episode two mm. because she is a character without getting into it too too much she's put into danger multiple times mm. but i feel like you know we've only met we've only just met this person mm -hmm. and i really would have liked to see more of a focus on you know sure. learning who she is before that kind of stuff happens are I you guys sure. conscious of that like looking forward realizing well if we're going to put this person in, in a dangerous place how do we make sure you care about that Totally. And I think that um, one of the interesting things about the episodic model is sometimes, you know, we, we do plan that, you know, it's like, oh, in, in episode four, there's like a really big moment with this character. And so, you know, and maybe in episode two, they're going to take a little bit of a backseat to some of the other drama that's going on between these two, you know, bigger characters. But then in episode three, they'll get more screen time here. And it, it's all kind of a balance. So it, it is something that we're definitely aware of and that we're always kind of, you know, we, we want to give 
um, as much character development as we can at every opportunity. We have a lot but, of characters, um, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, sometimes you, you have that great scene, which doesn't really progress the um, the story as much as it needs to, but it's a good character moment, and you kind of right. go, okay, well, you know, there are big moments coming up, so we can hold on to this for a little bit. And tough decisions <laughs> in, in the editing process. So yeah, I'll say, I think you guys have done, and I touched on this maybe a little bit at the top, that you guys have done an absolutely impeccable job of of presenting an absolutely believable sense of of dread and just bleakness in this game. How do you how do you get the game to that point? Uh, was there ever a point where it's it's not there and you, maybe you're playtesting you got and and it's just like, well, you know, I don't really care. This feels like I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to slaughter some zombies and not care. Um, so how do you how do you get to that point where where uh, that sort of just there's just that cloud of of bleakness hanging over and, and getting, getting it to where you want. There's actually, uh, it, you know, again, it all comes in, uh, different forms, but I think, I know there's a specific instance on episode two, um, where it was the music that, um, Jared, uh, written who <clears throat> does our music and does an awesome job. And he'd actually sent over a couple ideas for different pieces for the episode. And, uh, there was one night where, I was listening to it, uh, just like working late, kind of figuring out some um, how to play certain scenes. Mm -hmm. And I just had this I was going through all the music that he had kind of sent over. And there was this one track that I particularly liked at the time. I didn't realize why, but I just kind of put it on loop. And as I was going, I realized it was just super tragic (laughs) and depressing. (laughs) And and then after like an hour, I kind of we're we're looking at I was trying to work on this, uh, this sort of finale scene, like the big action moment at the end. And uh listening to that track, I all of a sudden kind of thought, you know what? Oh man, this could be even 10 times more tragic if we play it this way instead. Yeah, and I immediately right called Nick and left a huge voicemail on his machine. that was like, check this out. Oh man, listen to this song in like, the background. You sent me an email with it, with the, with the song yeah, the attached, attached and like a big, you're like, call me when you get this. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It was like a super exciting moment. And then every time we pitched that scene from then on to yeah. like executives or to Sean and Jake, we'd just bring the iPad with that song on it in the background and, I'd and sit play there, it. I'd let him do the <laughs> pitch yeah, and, and then I'd wait till it gets that moment. And then I just hit play and this yeah. tragic music and would people get, would just be like, Oh God. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there internal competition amongst the directors of each project to one up each other? Um, not so, not, not really. Because you know that you're no. Yeah, what? It, no. It, it's funny. It, <laughs> there is. Uh, it's it's funny. I think the competition's almost on a smaller level. Like when we're doing, say, like a Cinemax game or something, or actually even Walking Dead, when you're doing cinematics for certain moments, like you definitely want to just kind of make the coolest thing you can every time and bring people by and go like, Oh, check this out, which makes then someone else go, Oh man, that's rad. I think I, I can do cooler that in, uh, you know, in my scene. Yeah. It's, but it's, with, more, yeah, it's on a smaller scale. It's more like the, exactly. like the, like the cinematics team. Like they, they're kind of, I mean, not, sure. I wouldn't say competitive, but they always want to like make really cool stuff and like, yep. um, have the cool, the new cool scene. Um, but on, sure. on a higher level, I don't think that really happens. Yeah. I think there is a really good sense of team. Um, you know, and I, I quit it to what I assume television to be like, where, you know, you, you know that the only way your episode later in the season is going to work is if someone else does this, a good job. Yeah, if, if you lay the groundwork, he <laughs> right. does a really good job. So it's like, you know, with Nick and I sharing office and he's directing four and I'm directing two, but constantly all day, I'm just going like, oh man, what do you think of this? Is this this cool? And he'll throw out ideas and the same thing for four. Oh, check out this concept art we're doing. And, you know, it's, it's brotherly, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> One big family. Uh, how I got to ask, how do you guys, well, we don't want to get into two, but... Uh, so for episode one, how did you guys play through at home? Ultimately, for your canon playthrough, what were the choices? 
Yeah, I, that's a good question. I, I played I, so many times. I yeah, I don't. I actually don't play the games. Uh, I <laughs> I I have my girlfriend oh, play. Yeah, that's a good I won't because I don't actually. It's we work on these games for so long, and then like you basically don't want to see him. That's uh, understandable. You're just like ugh, like I, you see all the mistakes, you see all the things that we didn't get time to, to fix, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but you get there's this sense of like rejuvenation when you watch someone else play, and I've 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 watched uh, my girlfriend play through, and she loves it, and my friend like the next night, and she's watching him play a different way that she played, mm-hmm. and just seeing all these, just like having the conversations with people and seeing them like get really into it, like more into it than we actually support sometimes. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. if I give this battery to Carly, I won't have a battery later, and I might get a flashlight later, so I gotta hold on to this battery. So I'm not fixing the radio. I'm like, you're like, that's gonna ruin my relationship with Carly, but oh well. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Do it that way, man. Like fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Um yeah, and I was gonna say I, I've actually I played it so much during the development that I, I think can't like, things can't, things yeah. change so much too. Like yeah. that was the one of the one of the cool things about um, you know, again the episodic process and especially knowing that we can make sort of smaller bite-sized games, it makes less, less pressure on, you know, making like a 60 hour game where there's no time to look back. back. It's just, you know, we have two years of work to do in two years. It's like on this, we can really, you know, play it. And then everyone kind of gives the same notes and you start to realize, Oh, you know what? Like maybe that moment isn't really hitting, or maybe this direction here isn't really hitting. Uh, And so I've played it through so much of the development cycle that it actually would be hard to say what I did for but the first you always time. Saved Sorry. Doug. <laughs> you bring always up a, Doug. You bring yeah, up an interesting I, I do point though. Doug. Oh, okay, yeah, you got, that's true. I guess the, that is the internal telltale way yeah, yeah. is to spare Doug. Now, Nick, you hit on something interesting cuz I I tried to sell this too is it is uh quite an amazing game just to watch, isn't it? This mm-hmm. series because I was trying to tell my wife last night after I finished it at like 12:30 at night it's just no, really, you'd totally love watching it because you know you just you'd just be yelling like no, do this, no, do that, and <laughs> and just watching how it all unfolds. Is it, uh, it was it designed that way to be to be a a great you know spectator game? You know, I think a lot of it comes from like I know just people in the office you know have a lot of love for um, adventure games, and one of the ways I think people really enjoy playing new adventure games or pe- games that people haven't played before. Uh, is in a group. They like sitting down on a couch, and it, it's it's not it's not one of those things you really think would be a fun experience. But when you have a, a team of people like solving problems and like debating on how to it, you know take take a certain scenario, it's the same way for this game, except you know with less puzzle solving. But it's still yeah. that like you get into these big discussions where it's like, are you gonna you're really gonna do that yeah. after that after the way they treated you? Like really? And yeah. it's like oh, wow, <laughs> like this is getting serious. And I mean that's I don't know that that was intentional, but I mean. We've been making games that kind of support that that team play. For sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's, and it, it's actually interesting, too. Like, last night, you know, it, it's been, you know, it's always a crazy development cycle, and there's so much to do, and there's so much you want to get in. Um, and, you know, the, the game came out, uh, and I just wanted to go home and sleep yesterday, <laughs> but I made the stupid mistake of going online and just kind of, like, checking around and see if anyone played it yet. And I ended up seeing, like, a, a live stream that was going on. Mm. Someone was playing through episode one and two, and I kind of thought for a second of like oh, yeah i guess i i'm just curious to see kind of how it's going and I, I hopped on and in the first 10 minutes i was hooked of people like just the chat room was going nuts of people who were like how could you do that how could you not give food to that person that's what's fine. your problem and i was like oh psh, okay it's working awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh tell me guys i mean has the has the reaction to the series so far surprised you at all i mean you know walking dead is a big pop culture thing now with uh you know largely thanks to the show although even the show seems to have 
Nobody does. It seems we like don't no, talk about. Yeah, the nobody's show. really talking about the show as much the way they were maybe a year or something ago. But because the comics are picking up again, finally. Right, we got the comics. But I mean, has the has the reaction? Because it seems like it's you know at least in the in the hardcore gamer sphere, it's it's a people just are like us love it, just absolutely love it. Are you are you surprised that it's it's made the impact it has? Yeah, I mean, totally. I think, I think yeah. we were. I mean, this is kind of mm-hmm. the first title that we've gotten this reaction to. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we, we usually make games for a, a really specific niche market. I mean, like Sam and Max, there's people who just are diehard fans. Oh, yeah. But the average, you know, the person who just plays kind of a lot of more modern games, like, might not like it. And that's totally fine. You know, we're not aiming to please everyone with those. Sure. Uh, and I think the reception of Walking Dead being so global is kind of a surprise. Like, we're super excited by it. It's great because we always try to make the games the best we can and we think they're cool. So yeah. it's good is there a is there an international territory that's that there's been a big reaction big success to where you've gone wow i never would have expected country x to latch onto it like this uh, the latino market actually oh yeah that's right we our facebook page was like exploded with just you know all uh stuff we couldn't understand yeah we couldn't (laughs) (laughs) comments so we i think uh we took to that and uh i think we're now we're released with spanish subtitles now yeah um so just to support them because we had such a huge hit from them. Yeah, they were so into it. Really cool. cool. Is yeah. that something where you might go back later and do, uh, you know, and actually record dialogue for that and put it put out a Spanish thing later? I don't know. So we have know. we have for other games in the past. I don't know uh, if there are any plans for this, but I wouldn't be hmm. surprised if something like that happened in the future. So uh, whose dumb idea was it to only charge five dollars for this? Because it, it is almost. Uh, it, I almost feel like I'm ripping you off at, at five dollars because. Uh, I, but in all seriousness, I mean, maybe this is more of a business thing that goes uh, into it's somebody else's office, not you guys. But w- was there ever any internal chatter? Like, was there ever any pushback either from Microsoft or uh, or just even internally be like, no, let's we can, this is amazing. Let's charge ten dollars for this. <laughs> I think it was probably the opposite of that. I think everyone wanted it to be cheap and affordable and and we didn't want people to be sitting at their xbox going uh 800 uh you know we yeah. just just buy the game and play it like that's all we really want yeah um, we were so excited by it we we're just like i think people are going to really like it if they give it a chance and so i think that the, the lower price point definitely yeah, let people give yeah, it a shot it's, it's, it's easier to just go like oh you know what like let's take a chance on that and, yeah well and and obviously you're seeing the results of that because you, nick you hit on the, an exact thing that mitch and i talk about a lot is that's exactly it. It's the impulse buy. If some, that, uh, we see it more just because there are so few $5 games on Xbox anymore. We see it more with the, the $10 versus $15 thing mm-hmm. where there could be a really interesting game, really cool game, but it, where it's 15, if, it's, if it's 10 you're like, boom, done, sold, no problem. But if, then when it's 15 <laughs> you, you just stop and think yeah. about it. And so, it used to be 10 and 5 right? Like right? That mindset's changed so much in like five it, years. It has completely <laughs> changed. So, um, it, you know... I, I suppose there are economics that that go into it on a on a corporate bean counting level where you're like, well, I have to sell this X number of units at five dollars versus this, mm-hmm. you know, at, at ten. But um, it, have you seen that? Have you have you got gotten feedback from the community thing saying, you know, dude, this was five bucks, so I thought I'd just give it a shot, and I love it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. I mean, I, I mean, we're, we always get the uh, five dollars. That should have been two. You know that that's always <laughs> well, that's, we're always that's the internet that. for you, right? <laughs> but uh, I think that I think people have been pretty pleased with the price point, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think we're pleased with it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, just and my friends in general too that you know have played some of the games we made in the past, and other ones are like, yeah, it doesn't really look like it appeals to me. Like, 
pretty much everyone I know with Walking Dead, they're just like, five bucks? Yeah, the trailer looked cool. Sure, I'll yeah, pick it it's up. like yeah. you skip your, well, West Coast, you skip your In-N-Out burger one day, <laughs> or you skip your Big <laughs> totally. Mac and fries, and you just spend that $5 on Walking Dead instead, <laughs> and it's much healthier for you. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Psychologically, I'm, I don't know. I'm curious, uh, what does a project like this do for you guys uh, as far as opening other doors? Now, Telltale, you, your resumes, you've, you've attracted a number of different licenses and talents. You know, you've gotten, you've, you've managed to pry Monkey Island's license out of <laughs> LucasArts' cold, dead hands, which is a near impossibility. And, you know, we've seen... Uh, some other licensed things that you guys have grabbed, but are you now? Are you now? Are you guys now hearing from from other people like, "Hey, work with us." You know, that Back to the Future is great, and then this Walking Dead. Like, does it? Does it? Uh, does it open some doors? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was gonna say like, I think the the thing that we always strive for is is making sure that the license holder is happy because it's in our point of view, it's like it's their world. They created these characters. And we always just want to make sure that they come away going like, yes, you did this game justice. And I appreciate that. And so I think we we often do get in talks with the the license holders about, you know, maybe doing a season two or like yeah. at some point in the future, maybe we should do something. And I think now um, there's probably new avenues that it opened up, you know, maybe other people who have seen that we've done right by the comics. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a big success that, um, you know, maybe they're willing to take more of a shot. Yeah, us, which it, is cool. It's it's also our thing is really about story and it's really about the characters mm-hmm. and so like you know that that has to also factor into who's approaching us or who we're approaching because you know there's just some things we just shouldn't do you know so it's it it I mean Walking Dead's perfect for us it's like mm-hmm. perfect so yeah. uh, it's tough I mean when I know that I know that we have people have approached us and we're like I don't think we can do that I don't think we can do a game for you that you're gonna that people are going to enjoy because mm-hmm. it's not right you know yeah. we can't make modern warfare we're not or that kind of stuff you know we're i mean we could maybe story driven yeah warfare. hey wait a minute <laughs> i think we hit well, on something uh, given given the success of the series so far and the response to it uh and being gamers who are never satisfied with what we have and always wanting more and more in the next thing i mean has has the success and response to the game is this is a season two like a, a sure thing is it has the green light been handed down from Kirkman and company at this point is it just like wow you guys crush this yes definitely season two make it happen I don't know how much we can comment on but they I, they definitely are really happy with it and we love the stories in the world so we always are open to the opportunity of doing new and cool things with the characters if if a season two did happen would you would creatively would you want to keep following lee and continue his story or would or would you prefer to start with a new group of survivors i think uh whatever's right for you know however everything gets wrapped up and how people feel by the end of the season it's i mean at telltale we're always responding to how people feel Mm -hmm. so you know if everyone for some reason hates lee at the end of the thing then we don't want to just keep going with that Mm -hmm. so it's it's all based on on feedback from the community yeah and it also there's definitely you know (laughs) Throughout the season, there's there's already a plan of just some really cool stuff that happens, and so we'll you know like Nick's saying, it's like we just see how people respond to it. Because you know? to use your own television analogy, mm-hmm. the the question becomes creatively: Do you approach season the end of season one as a season finale mm-hmm. or as a series finale? Because there's a big sure. difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, is a, that, is a, that is a question for Sean and Jake. Yeah, I was gonna say we. 
we know pieces, but uh, well, we will we'll have to drag Sean and Jake in here oh, yeah. come episode well, five. Then five, yeah. get oh, yeah. them on the air, yep. and then yeah. we can have the ha- really hash this out. <laughs> um, now, as a as a big Telltale fan going all the way back, uh, I have long lamented the fact that I cannot get Xbox achievements for playing most Telltale games. Getting back to the the you know the opening doors thing and the, the success of this, uh, is there any chance now that Plus, given the fact that whatever issue or political or technical thing that Telltale seemed to have had going on with Microsoft specifically um, after Wallace and Gromit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've seen Jurassic Park out in retail and then, of course, now uh, Walking Dead episodically on, on Xbox Live Arcade. Is there any chance that we'll finally get to play some of the other Telltale series on Xbox, Back to the Future, Monkey Island? Or have are, is there are there rumblings of that in Telltale at all? Can we, um, can you we know, make that there, happen? There's please? always talk. Yeah, I mean, we, the thing is, um, and especially our tool is is definitely created to be uh, multi-platform. Yeah. So I think we always want to get the game out as everywhere we possibly can. So I'm, you know, there's people who want it everywhere, and we, I'm sure, we'll try to get it everywhere we can. Yeah, it also <laughs> just it takes up you know a lot of resources to to do that kind of stuff. So True. When we're working hard on a big project like Walking Dead, it's it's hard to it, to, to rip people away and, and throw them on on things like ports and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, we I, like Dennis said, we always want to have if there's if there's an audience for it, we'll mm-hmm. we want to support that. And I guess finally, I kind of circle back real quick to sort of the evolution of an episode as it gets from the page onto the screen. Are there any are there any examples from episode one where uh, something was on the page one way, but it ended up on the screen a completely different way? Like, is there something that we played in episode one that that changed drastically from what it was originally conceived as. Probably, um, yeah, yes. like there, there are a lot. There are a lot of scenes. Like I don't, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for mentioning any of this, but like there's just like certain scenes like uh, that, like a lot of the times the action changes. A lot mm-hmm. of the action scenes mm-hmm. go through iterations, um, just for pacing and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it like there was it, like for the when you're for the whole brother scene in, in episode one. Um, yeah, with when you have to go out, outside and deal with that, um, there was other stuff going on there, but like we had, but it felt like the playthrough like wasn't feeling right, and we had mm-hmm. to take pull some stuff out. And like when Dennis was talking about earlier uh, in episode two, the the final scene with mm-hmm. when he said with the, we had the music playing, and mm-hmm. um, that was a completely different. That happened completely differently, and uh, I don't think we were very happy with it. And it just comes you know from from working on it and going ah this just isn't hitting and yep. we got to do something else like we got to just change it and 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 luckily we caught it early enough to where we could yeah it's it's usually the uh like nick was saying i think mostly it's the action scenes that yeah. you know it's like it, it looks one way on the page and you draw it on a whiteboard and everyone's super happy with it and then you get in there and you build it and it's like yeah you know what this really needs 10 less steps or it needs <laughs> you know 10 more steps and needs to be way more complicated and the, the brother thing too i think you know it's finding about what each uh, scene is really about, and you know, the definitely the the sort of sadness of that scene is what really drove it. And right, we there didn't was want to muddy of, that that scene. Yeah, up there was a lot of stuff. kind of like puzzly, complicated stuff that didn't really add anything except yeah. just it takes up more time for you to click through things and yeah. kind of boil it down to the essentials. Well, what about is is there anything from? I know you guys, uh, you know, neither of you directed episode one. That was that was Sean's bag, but. Was there anything that sort of collectively, you, episode one's done, it's out, and you're moving on, where you're just like, oh, man, that didn't pan out, that didn't have the impact that we were hoping for, that's, you know, we're going to have to kind of dig ourselves out of a mini hole on this for, for the future. Is there is there anything like that, any sort of regrets from episode one? I think, I mean, I always played it 
you know, I, I sort of watched the whole process evolve. Obviously, we both did, but um, I, I really like where episode one landed at the end. There's not really anything that I look back on. Yeah. There's stuff in episode two where I always think like, oh, I wish I had more time or I could have polished that moment more. It's, or it wouldn't have been cool. It's this, more but... it's more personal stuff. Like it's, it seemed like the audience reacted the way we wanted them to. But yeah. then when I play through, I'm like, oh, man, we could have made that better. Yeah, like exactly. it's never it, it's or at least on episode one. It wasn't it, like they they got it hit where it needed to hit for them. So yeah. that, that's the important stuff. There was a, a big one with um, episode two that we kind of caught mid development that I think had we kept following down that path would have ended up as a regret, but that's the great part of having so many creative people at Telltale that are always kind of jumping in and playing and giving mm-hmm. you notes. And I mean, Telling everyone how, sits how in one big room. So uh, I, I'm going to mildly derail this just because sure. this, this thought came to mind, but I'm very curious. Dave Grossman is mm-hmm. stu- the head of the studio. He's a former LucasArts guy. He worked day of the tentacle mm-hmm. with totally. Tim. You know, he, he is the sort of lesser known of the triumvirate of, of Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert, and then there's Dave Grossman, who's an a, a adventure game genius in his own right. A, as a guy, you know, he ha- definitely has more of a comedy background. What's his involvement been with, uh, with Walking Dead, and his, what's, what's been some of his feedback and his, his response to the game, given that it is such a, a dark, dramatic thing compared to what, what he has sort of built his career on? Yeah, I mean, Dave just in general is a really strong writer and he's been doing this for a really long time and, and gets stories and kind of gets the whole setup payoff and like how, how you need to work scenes to make it work for later in the episode or later in the season. Um, so he's in all the, you know, the big design, the big writing mm-hmm. meeting reviews um, and he's always give, giving feedback and like, you know, like people go to him all the time just go, Dave, I wrote all this, tell me if it's good, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, he, <laughs> the thing I love about him is he's got a really good bullshit detector and he knows exactly why you're doing what you're doing it. So <laughs> so we use him often as, as a kind of screen to, you know, it's like we might have a really cool idea and we're 99% confident in it and we know there's one part that's kind of weak about it or, you know, right. maybe there's a, a small reason we shouldn't do it, but we really like it and we'll bring it by him and he immediately just calls you out on it and you're like, ah, okay, thanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, one, uh, one last question because I got to let you guys go. I could talk to you guys all day uh, about this series, but um, you touched on this earlier about about um, you know characters hitting how you want. What about as as guys who are each of you is directing a different episode? Um, how do you how do you approach Lee himself as you're as you're directing each episode because he's sort of this morally ambiguous guy that can co- sort of be guided down one way or the other. Um, do you, how do you how do you sort of keep him on the track you want, and then you know Nick you're gonna come in with episode four, and you know you sort of have to pick up that track where it's gone, uh, or do you like do each of you kind of have ideas of no I feel like I feel like Lee is should be we're gonna steer him more this way a little bit so how do, how does his how does the having you know four or five different directors you know a different director for each episode sort of steer Lee himself. Dennis. Yeah, uh, Sean and Jake actually are really good about keeping that kind of showrunner um, watch over the whole season. Mm-hmm. So we do, you know, everyone kind of comes in with their own details of, of what they want to do and where they want to take the character. Um, but Sean and Jake are always looking at the game. And so I, I almost feel like it's a lot of them that kind of keeps that um, keeps it consistent that consistency throughout yeah, there, all five. episodes. There, there's definitely an arc for Lee, mm-hmm. um, uh, even, you know, even with the player choices and um and you just have to maintain that. You have to be consistent. Um, some, I think there were times in 102 early on where uh, we had stuff written and we got it in the game. And 
and then Lee said it. You heard him say it, and you're like, "Oh, wow, that doesn't that doesn't sound like yeah, Lee would say yeah. that." Like we got to we yeah, got to take that Or there's the moments or... too, yeah, where people internally are playing it, and they come in, and they just you know, people aren't shy there, so they'll just kick in your office door and be like, uh, "We actually had one of our uh, marketing head head guys, Richard, uh, played through, and was really pissed off at one point again." Like I I heard it from um, uh, Dan, one of the owners, who basically came down and was like. So uh, Richard played through. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is not sounding positive so far. And he's like, you know, he actually uh, had some interesting feedback. He completely loved the game up until this one moment. And then he just got so pissed and he was basically yelling at me. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, on one hand, that's awesome that he's that passionate about right. it. And he was so engrossed in it. So I was actually really happy by it. But then he did have some good points where he was like, I, if I was Lee, you know, um, like I wouldn't have wanted this reaction here like mm-hmm. I, it wasn't set up properly yeah, and, and it, you know it came, it came down to i mean we can't talk about it without spoilers but it came down to like little stuff where it was mm-hmm. just like there was this one shot where it looked at kenny and kenny made this face and i just wanted to i didn't <laughs> yeah, understand totally, why he made yeah. that face you know yep. we've been fr- best friends this whole time and he makes that face at me yeah we're like wow yeah. wow <laughs> okay yeah we'll fix it man well, i mean we'll we'll i see what you're where you're coming from for sure. Yeah. Well, Mitch, did we hit everything? We've been talking for like an hour it's so big far, interview. and it's been so, great. I only have one curiosity thing, uh, and it has to do with the pre-order that you guys did on PC, where you were going to take all these pre-orders and randomly select a fan to be in the game. Mm-hmm. How is that process going? Yeah. yeah. And what, what's up? Well, let's get some Xbox love in here for the Xbox crowd. I know we can't pre-order live arcade games. Come on. <laughs> I think I think Mitch should be in the game. I agree. As a <laughs> as a super fan, here I, hey guys, just, wait for me. And Ma- and I need to be able to to That's kill awesome. Mitch in the game. That must happen. Yeah, some, no, so anyway, no, Mitch awesome had employee quick. tensions going on in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we uh, we've selected our winner. I, I I don't know if it was made public or anything, or if there was. Yeah, there actually, was a blog post about it. Yeah, I don't no. think yet, but uh, but, but yeah, uh, no, the process soon. is gone is soon. ongoing. It was a legit it's, thing. Yeah, nice. Uh, I um, think it's going to be pretty hilarious. <laughs> we've announced that they're showing up in uh, episode four. I think is what we're saying. What's that? TBD. TBD. TBD according to the PR man. Well, uh, <laughs> sometime in the latter half of the season. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, no, we've uh, we're working. It's it's really weird. It's really weird making someone who's actually yeah. alive and then killing them and then killing them again and uh, it's funny getting, <laughs> getting that email that's sent out to the team of just like here's the person that's going to be a zombie and we're going to kill them and they just like like a normal everyday person you're like, you're like, feel oh. kind of bad about this uh, <laughs> how should smiling? we kill them yeah <laughs> well uh dennis lenart and nick herman so dennis the director of episode two who will become the lead cinematic artist of episode four and uh the opposite is true for mr nick herman Episode 2, Starve for Help of the Walking Dead game, is available on Xbox Live Arcade now for $5. It is purchased through Episode 1, so do pick up Episode 1, and I promise you will not regret it. Um, The games are in in an amazing year already for Xbox Live Arcade, uh, where we've seen Minecraft, we've seen Trials Evolution, we've seen Fez... Mm-hmm. These games, the Walking Dead episodes, are my favorite experiences on Xbox Live Arcade so That's far awesome. this year, and I'm not, oh, I'm thanks. not even just bullshitting. You are kissing your ass because you're here. I, I mean, I, I've there the the two hours spent with those games are just better than pretty much any TV show I've watched this year, and almost any game really of of any sort. You guys are crushing it, knocking it out of the park, and I cannot wait to see 
what's in store for for the future now of course the episodes are monthly ish correct <laughs> monthly ish episodic episodic yeah <laughs> we're, we're trying to we're just trying to get these games out uh in the best shape that they can be and yep. um and we know we're, we're trying to deliver what the customer wants and mm-hmm. so we're doing it as fast as possible and uh yeah, look forward to Can't rush uh, more greatness. announcements. Yep. That's right. <laughs> so stop bothering Telltale about when it's coming out and just uh, enjoy. Go back and do rewinds on the on the first two episodes and try some different outcomes That's and right. see what you think. So uh, pick it up on Xbox Live Arcade now. Starve for Help is Walking Dead Episode 2. I want to thank Dennis and Nick for stopping by, and uh, we will be waiting eagerly for Episode 3 in... When it's done. Soon. To give, yeah, soon. Yeah. That's, you know, soon sounds better than the old id software answer of when it's done, yeah. doesn't it? Soon's a lot better. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Cool, thank, you. thank you. All right, we are back. Thank you again to the Telltale crew for stopping by and fun hanging times. out with us. Fun times? Is that what you said? Fun Mitch? times. I did. It was. It was very fun times. And Nick, are you still alive? Has the burrito consumed your body yet? Everything seems to be slowing down. It looks like you've <laughs> given up on that burrito forever. The room is spinning. <laughs> well, uh, you're sitting still, just to let you know. But we've got a defibrillator right here. Maybe <laughs> good news. for burrito-related also, emergencies. Also a stomach pump. <laughs> so before we roll, of course, it's time that time of the show where we give away a prize to I love a, prizes. Yeah, to a lucky listener. Not so much a lucky listener, a lucky and talented listener. In this case, one... Uh, oh, no! There's music happening. You're a lucky listener. That wasn't supposed to happen yet, but we'll just let it... Let's just let it happen. They won't even hear that, because we're going to... They will have no idea what we're referencing right now, because it's going to move to the end of the show. Disregard any uh, yeah. music you There's hear. There's a fire alarm in the studio that's going away now. Anyway, uh, so it's Unlock Block for Mitchie D, and we can always... We can test our, our other panelists here, Nick Vargas as well. Ooh. So if you email me, if you email the, the show, unlocked. unlocked at IGN.com, with a, an Xbox-related trivia question, including four multiple-choice answers, and tell me in the email what the correct one is. And if I pick your question, so can't be too easy, can't be too obscure, got to be just right. Got to be, you know, like, the, like uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Got to be just right. But if you're able to pull that off, I will... Select you as our winner, and you'll win a prize. This week, I still have two more codes to give away, courtesy of Ubisoft for their recent Xbox Live Arcade game, Mad Riders. So our winner this week is a gentleman whose name I totally did not write down. Well done. And feel totally horrible about it now. <laughs> Congratulations, mystery winner. Sorry, anonymous dude, but hey. We have uh, your email, so we we'll do find have, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get this game out to you. Anyway, the question is this, guys. Which of these are not backwards compatible with the Xbox 360? Ooh. Which of these original Xbox games are not backwards compatible? Sid Meier's Pirates, Hulk Ultimate Destruction, Silent Hill 2, or Jade Empire? It's a good list here. That is a good list. It's a good list. Some, some you know, not, not obscure stuff, mostly some popular things, but not necessarily things you would be like, oh man, I need to play that game again on my 360. So that's what's throwing me off. Except for Jade Empire. So is Jade Emperor the one you're leaning toward? Because that's what I'm thinking. I think so, but only because that's the only one of those games that I liked. <laughs> Wait you a just minute. Figure your luck well, is just going to work out that I, way. I haven't okay. played all of them, but because those are all pretty good games. Uh, that said, the the one that I'm leaning toward, like, why would they bother making pirates backward compatible? 
the game is good, but it's not high you profile. You could ask. At all. You could say that about a lot of games. They went. They added backwards yeah, compatibility right. too. They didn't add. A I think they, backward, I think it's gonna be like Hulk. You going with that? Going with yeah. Hulk? Going with Hulk. I'm gonna go with Jade Empire because even though I'm pretty sure, oh shit, is I can't remember if Kotor is backward compatible now. I'm gonna go with Jade Empire. All right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go into full game show host mode. One of you is correct. Oh, One of you is going home. <laughs> or you're just wait, wrong, like we have the day off? <laughs> no. Uh, Nick, you're our winner. Yes. Damn it. Yes. Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which, by the way, um, this sort of works out. It's an odd coincidence because this is actually a big story because I prepared the show this it morning. Just, the story just This broke. is a breaking story. And I we want yeah want to I mean I hate to sort of bring the show down a little bit but I mean it's it is big news that we need to cover here real quick. Congratulations on winning. Here's a sad story. Yeah, I mean unfortunately that's the case. Is uh, want to send our best wishes to everybody up in Vancouver at Radical Entertainment, makers of Hulk Ultimate Destruction and both prototype games. Unfortunately, Radical has just been closed. So everybody there. The studio is gone. Everybody has been laid off. So uh, the announcement broke just a, not more than two hours ago. And it's, uh, it's just another blow in, to what's been a very, very difficult console generation and just a difficult time, of course, in the economy and overall for, for a lot of people in the video game industry. And, man, a lot of talent. A lot of talent yeah, in that yeah. place. It's, it's incredible to... I mean, Hulk Ultimate Destruction is literally, no joke, it is still the gold standard for for licensed video games it's hmm. super good it just yeah. is um and it's uh it, it was an it was an amazing game it was it was the ult, it was a perfect hulk game you know you just you jumped around the city feeling like the hulk smashing things tearing buildings down jumping off rooftops yeah. uh, it was it was a phenomenal game back on the original xbox and the playstation 2 so this is an interesting story I mean, it sucks, but it's an interesting story because this kind of relates to something I keep saying about the next generation. Yeah. Is that game developers are pouring so much money into making these games right. that they can't possibly make that return to, to be profitable. And I think we're starting to see it now as this generation winds down. Developers like, like Radical, who can't sell copies of their game to be profitable, even though the game cracked the MPD, like it sold it like f- oh, yeah. number four really, or something. Yeah, it sold really well. But it still wasn't enough. And instead of them getting layoffs or something while they try to figure stuff out, it's like, no, you're just gone. You do not exist anymore. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's I feel like that's dangerous because as we get into the next the next generation where games are going to cost more for these people to make, they're going to spend probably the same amount of time making them, spending way more money and getting probably less sales. Well, yeah, the problem is the stakes have gotten so high that if you don't have a big, big hit... You're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, people don't really compare video games to film enough in this regard because what happens in film is there are X, Y, and Z amount of big, big name movies that come out in a year. And if something doesn't work, it just, they don't make that kind of movie anymore. Yeah. John like, Carter of Mars. Yeah. They're just, no, we did this and it didn't work. Like, we'll never do that again. Yeah. Therefore, and I'm not this saying can't that's work. Like, yeah. That's not the, you know, that's not the future we would hope for for video games. Right. But when the budgets are getting to be the same amount of money, that's what it's going to be. That's how it will be. Yep. Yeah. Games I mean, are starting to cost like almost $100 million. Like, Red Dead costs $100 million. GTA 4 costs $100 million. That is so much money. Yeah. You know, I, I hope it's, I, I wonder, I don't want to seem uh, too dark here, but 
I want to. I wonder if there's any way. Do you think Activision? Just to get a little bit of a conspiracy theory, guys. Do you think it's possible that Activision see thinks THQ is going down imminently, and they've done they've made this move in anticipation of possibly looking to acquire Volition or m- and maybe and, Relic. Well, Volition, of course, makes open world. You know, act, the whole yeah, point yeah. of Prototype. Totally was for Activision to try and have a big-name open-world franchise. Well, I mean, we talked about this, right? Like, who's going to get... Like, if that happens, I'm pretty sure we, that came up on this show. Yeah, I, Who I suggested Volition? it. Yeah. And I just wonder if, if Maybe. you know, feeding my own internal conspiracy theory, if it's possible that, that that's what Activision is, is trying to position themselves for. What did Volition make? Saints Row. Saints Row. Oh. Previ- of course, Red Faction, Faction as well, but Saints Row's the big moneymaker. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that... Well, I don't know how often this kind of stuff, like these conspiracy theories, tend to be true, but like that sounds like it would make sense. Yeah, that would not be a bad move, but they should just have traded the team. <laughs> it's good business. Here, take this team that didn't make its money back and give us that one that makes. Is money. that what happened? It didn't make its money back, or it didn't? Yeah. Well, so the, money. the official statement was something along the lines of, "I'm going to try to bring it up in time," so that's why I'm delaying talking now. Um, it was something along the lines of, "Like Prototype Two did not meet expectations, and therefore something happened with the team." That doesn't mean it didn't. Well, let me vamp for it for a second Please while do. you while you uh, d- look that up. You know, Prototype was a good game. Both of them were good games, but I I did wonder how like. It seemed like an, an a bit of an odd horse for Activision to back, given given not with nothing against the game, but just given Activision's history. Yeah, their history of only backing of only having these super mega name blockbuster things. Your Call of Duty, of course, all the Blizzard stuff that's sort sort of separate. But then it's they they back Transformers, they back Spider Man as right. these sort of established quantities, and they're not a studio that's known for developing and pushing new ip mm-hmm. and the fact that they sort of chose prototype as that game uh seemed a little odd to me just given that yeah. again given the rest of the studio the publisher's portfolio yeah and it's weird too that game specifically it just strikes me as something to dance for um <laughs> no it just it strikes me as a game that was like almost just like too dark like yeah. for me, like I didn't like I love cr- I love Crackdown and I love those kind of games and I love yeah. that you know Hulk and the thing is those things don't need this like excessively violent gore fest right thing so I never really wanted to play those games because that didn't appeal to me but like the idea of having like these superpowers did I wish that they just made a Venom game out of Prototype <laughs> that would have been bad that actually you know it's funny you mentioned that that. I never even cons- I, you're a genius. Yeah. Nick Vargas is a genius. That might have that could have been huge. Yeah. Well, I mean they they oh, shit, what was it? Was it Ultimate Spider-Man where you got to play as Venom for half the time? Yep. It was basically that game where you were just yeah. ripping around the city, destroying things, eating people. Man, Ultimate Spider-Man was great. I like my Total name Carnage. Is Venom the burrito. Total Carnage was awesome too. Total Carnage is the one I was thinking of. Just the side scroller where yeah, you yeah, could yeah. be Venom. Yeah, that started my up. ridiculous love for Venom. Anyway, have you got the statement yeah, there, Mitch? Yeah, so the word from Activision is, although we made a substantial investment in the prototype IP, it did not find a broad commercial audience. Hmm. Well, uh, I did see TV commercials. I did, I mean, I don't think there Activision... There were a lot of those. I don't think Activision can be, can be blamed for not 
pushing it hard. So, but the problem is the way they marketed it. So the main commercial that everyone saw... You mean saw, the horrible Johnny Cash commercial? Yes, that one where it's a man like trying to kill himself and he's like, oh, I'm sad and angry. <laughs> and he's just, it's this clouded, weird world that they don't establish as a video game. It's just this live action dude looking all upset. And then it just cuts to a logo. Like, what is going on here? No. Weird. I never saw that. It was really awful. Video well, game commercials that are successful today are like really hardcore with like really cutesy music behind them or sad music. Yeah. It's like that's like, like what silence with sad yeah, music. Mad yeah. world. Dead space with twinkle twinkle little star. Oh, that was freaky. Well, in any case, uh, we do wish the best to all of those affected at Radical. They are a very very talented group of people. I know Microsoft has a very quiet studio that they've been building in Vancouver that are either working on connect things or other almost triple a things next gen um, things maybe yeah definitely next gen things of course ea is the big player in vancouver they have a massive campus right. in vancouver that that does and arguably ea does all their best stuff out of vancouver the <laughs> yeah. nhl series yeah. fifa uh, FIFA is done out of Vancouver. Basketball? Uh, not anymore. Really? It just used to be. Okay, Back well, in its heyday, then they moved it to Redwood... Sh- or no, they moved it to uh, to Tiburon. It's where oh, it is okay. now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's being done out of Florida now. But yeah, a lot of great stuff at EA. Fight uh, Night. Skate. Oh, skate. Skate is done out of Vancouver. I, can we get another so skate game? Fight Night, game. yes, is another one. Man, I would love another skate game. Me well, the last too. skate game didn't sell that well. No, it's because it was a year after Skate 2, and it was like yeah, the they, same There game. was nothing different, really. No. Yeah, they, they milked it a little bit It was cool because it was but, new areas, but that's it. But in any case, uh, so EA is a, is, has a huge presence in Vancouver. Hopefully, they're able to to gobble them up, uh, a lot of those folks up, and get them get them back to creating great games because that is clearly what they're, they're able to do, the radical folks. So um, all the best to them. And, well, it's another PR black eye for Activision, for sure. A yeah, company I mean, that has no short... They, they, they look like a, a battered Fight Night boxer at, at this yeah, point in the, in, in the public consciousness. But, uh, yeah, so rest in peace, Radical Entertainment. He gave us a lot of good entertainment over the years. And uh, hopefully we haven't seen the last of you, if not in name, in, just in, in talent and in spirit. Yeah, I think those guys will be fine. Yeah. So, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank uh, Nick's Burrito for mm-hmm, stopping mm-hmm. by. Every day. <laughs> I'm not sure why I said that. Me either. Uh, I want to thank Nick Vargas, tech editor. Thank you. For your time. Mitch, Mitch Dyer. That's me. My left hand, because I need the right hand mm-hmm. for, you know. I don't want to know what you need the right hand for. Video games? Is that? For writing. Oh. With a pencil. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All exactly right. It. Anyway, uh, f- follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Podcast Unlocked. Of course, the main site for you, at IGN. We'll get you. We'll, we'll pipe out all of the the biggest headlines to you in games and entertainment. Uh, Mitch Dyer's at Mitch Dyer. Nope. Mitchie D. Sorry. There it is. At Mitchie D. There we go. I'll remember it. Nick Vargas. What is your Twitter handle, my friend? At Nick Vargas. N I C. Correct. N I C V A R G U S. And we are going to be bringing the jokes from here on out. Yeah. I just decided yeah. right now. All give, right, give them something worth following. <laughs> know, we had, we had a, is there, was that during the break where we had? Our yeah, talk we had about a little Twitter? break between. Right. Yeah, <laughs> gotta gotta step up our comedy game yeah, on Twitter. Do. Your uh, your gonna, stealth Twitter accounts. Just gonna tweet like fifteen things today, <laughs> you and me, and they're all gonna <laughs> fall flat. Yeah, nobody will appreciate our jokes. That's right. And uh, you can find me at DMC underscore 
Ryan on the Twitters. Be sure to check out our Xbox Live app right on your Xbox. Get all the coolest IGN content piped directly to you on your console. Watch them videos. We have some good stuff for the last couple weeks. Like the Steel Battalion video review. Witness the horror! (laughs) (laughs) It was a good tank music. (laughs) Good job! (laughs) Circa 1987. Very well played, my friend. And... That's it. Just visit IGN.com. Bookmark it. Make it your homepage. IGN.com slash Xbox dash 360 is our little corner of Mm -hmm, the world mm -hmm. on IGN. Slash tech for me. Slash tech. Uh, What's, what is there, you, you, didn't you just review some hot new cell phone that the world is foaming at the mouth about? Yes, I did. The Galaxy S3. Um, I would say it's probably the best phone on the market right now. So it's, the the S stands for stellar. It stands for super. I don't know if you saw, but my iPhone has a Wookiee case. Yeah. Well, okay. So I gave that phone phone. a nine. I said it was probably the best phone on the market and everyone in the comments said I was too harsh and that I was an Apple fanboy. (laughs) Funny how that works. I'm pretty bad at being a fanboy, I guess. You need to learn the rules of yeah. fanboydom, son. Anyway, you'll get there. You'll learn. Thanks. <laughs> so I want to thank uh, my panelists. I want to thank the uh, the burrito for writing jokes for Nick. The impeccable Doctor yeah. Burrits. <laughs> but no, really, I want to thank everybody for listening on iTunes on Zoom Marketplace. Wow, we live there now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, <laughs> on IGN.com. Thank you, and we shall return. With your emails. Remember, email us about the Mass Effect 3 Extended Edition, the Extended Cut, Director's Cut, whatever the heck it's called. That dumb ending. Yeah, that extra two gigs of ending that yeah. you can get for yourself. Email us about that for next week's show, and let us know if you want the uh, the burrito to return. You can save <laughs> a chair for him. He just needs a little face drawn on him. I can see it. He's just He's looking at me right now. We're about, are we going to draw? Are we going to do it? We're doing it live. We have a Sharpie. You're committing to not eating that awful burrito. <laughs> oh, man. We will pr- almost certainly have a photo of this burrito in the podcast post. Yeah, yeah I'll say, oh, t- turn that cell phone camera All right. on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. That is... This is a reward for people who listened late, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, these are like the outtakes at the end of the show. Amazing. <laughs> Put on. the headphones on him. <laughs> see if see if you can get the, the headphones over the burrito. Those headphones. I'm not sure about that one, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he's been a contender. Good job, burrito. Act, well, I, yeah, I think the the burrito makes or breaks this episode. I'm not sure which it is. We'll find out. We'll leave it to the <laughs> listeners. But anyway, yeah, thanks for everybody for listening, and we will be back with episode 62 this time next week. Bloop bloop. Bye. <laughs>